Welcome to the RPG Backtrack. Uh, due to some technical limitations and concerns, challenges, most notably, uh, there was a very localized storm over Scott Wakamater's house. It only impacted his house. There were gale force winds, lightning, and thunder, and it was knocking out his internet connection every uh, few minutes, though it didn't impact anybody else around him in the neighborhood. Uh, so that will uh, that did cause some problems during the recording process. I've done my best in editing to minimize its impact on your listening experience. However, there's only so much that the marvel of modern day editing can do. So I apologize in advance and hope that you enjoy the show. Well, my hopeful students, I remain unable to decide which of you is worthy of becoming a Sith. Show me how well you know the lessons of Sith history. Darth Malak tried to conquer the galaxy, but foolishly left his former master Darth Revan alive. He deserved his end for such thoughtlessness, unbecoming of a Sith. Darth Nihilus sought to consume entire worlds while remaining hidden. Such a contradictory pose made his end inevitable. For a Sith that seeks to hide must not be so unmistakable. Darth Sion had created a body that could survive death innumerable times, but failed to steal his mind in the same way. No Sith can afford to forget Guile along with Brawn. Good. Good. Your knowledge of that period is most satisfactory. Now let us see if you understand the current we followed Darth Bane's teachings that only two Sith may exist at any time. One holding power, the other coveting it. And that means only one of us can possibly survive this session, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I mean to be the one who lives. Die, my weakling fellows! <laughs> 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 Lightning blast! You have done well, but I already have an apprentice. Let us see if you can survive against him. spells you're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console rpgs from way back when right up through yesteryear to get you through this maze that's dripping with danger we've gathered the best men and women from rp gamer to watch your back some of you have never entered this area before you're in for quite a fight for others this return visit can only be described as an rpg backtrack Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack at number 71. This is where we talk about your favorite RPGs from the days of Atari right up through yesteryear with more spoilers than you can shake a stick at. 
I am your host, Phil Willis, and my dark partner tonight is Mr. Mike Minky. I have I don't think we've ever actually discussed anything from the Atari, nor are we likely to, because that the, the twenty six hundred was not exactly known for its RPGs. No, but we talk about stuff from the days of Atari, which might include okay, yeah. Commodore and early DOS RPGs. This is true. <laughs> Maybe we the, should PC, say that. the PC was just a little bit more capable than the Atari twenty six hundred. Yeah, but to see, you see, like the days of PC, that's kind of ambiguous because you know, it could be anything. I guess we could say the yeah. days of Commodore. That, that's or you could, kind or you of could say the days of Pong, but yeah, days that, of Pong. that goes a little too far back, I think. I, I, I liked Pong as an RPG where you got to roleplay this line <laughs> and move it back and forth, back and that was awesome. That, that was yeah, also one of the few. Fifty and the bar got the, the line got slightly longer. Yeah. Hmm. That was one of the later revisions, though. The earliest Pong hardware couldn't handle such intense graphics. I guess we could change that to the days of Nintendo. I mean, we don't really go back much further than that too often. Every once in a while, we do like an Ultima or something, but. It's not too often we get that older than Nintendo. Oh, well, food for thought. And let's see. Speaking of older than Atari and Pong, Mr. Scott Wakamater. You know, the Star Wars Expanded Universe is a lot like DC Comics. All the big event stuff mostly sucks, and uh, anything that really questions the status quo tends to get ignored fairly quickly. Like what oh. happened to the Sith Lords, am I right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> And the brand new third generation Michael Apps. Oh, I was wondering He's how soon we were going to. the solution. It's like. Oh, that's a good one, Scott. You get the please, you get the gold please, star. Please enter your iTunes password to activate this guest. Ooh, ooh. Uh, 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 it's 12:03. Uh, Mike is awesome. <laughs> Nice. Well, in case you, our studio audience, did not pick it up from the references earlier, we will be talking about Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2 this evening, and we'll be following that up with a Blast from Recent Past segment where we'll be talking about 3D Dot Game Heroes. Or is that just 3D Dot Heroes? I don't think there's a game. Is there a game in there? I don't remember. And Alpha Protocol. <laughs> so, we got a, we got some games to talk about tonight. Y'all ready? You excited? You stoked? You pumped? Yeah! All right. Wow, that was in high res. Nice. Mr. Walker, Didn't even use Amplify. <laughs> well, Scott's falling asleep. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I've replaced Scott with some crickets. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. I prefer tumbleweeds. Ah. All right. Well, go grab a tumbleweed. Hold on tight. Hug it warmly. And kick your feet up. <laughs> We're going to play some tunes for you and we're going to get this show started. We'll be right back.
Alright, so we're talking about a couple of very little-known RPGs that only a handful of people on the planet have played. Right? Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, <laughs> developed by a tiny little company known as BioWare, published by this unknown people called LucasArts. Uh, this was uh, developed for the Xbox, Microsoft Windows, and Mac OS X. Uh, this was released here in North America on, on the PC in November 19, 2003. On the, uh, actually, uh, well, it came on the Xbox first. Seriously? Yeah, by like six months. Wow, July 15, 2003 on the Xbox. And uh, can, on, you, can you tell that Microsoft wanted it to have an exclusive? I guess so. And uh, on the uh, the Macintosh on September 7th, 2004. They're always the last ones to get it. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> this is... A, that was a different time. This is a single-player sci-fi fantasy role-playing video game experience rated T for Terrific. Right? Awesome stuff. Yes. All right. Yes, it is. So, whoosh. all right. So, so, well, we'll start off the way we always start. Who wants to get all spoilerific about the plot? I can do it. All right. Take Go it away. It, so, the game begins uh, where you, with my phone going off, <laughs> but then really begins by you choosing um, your particular flavor of Amnesiac Sith Lord that you want to play Yay. as your ship. Now, let's, get the, let's get the spoilers out right now, yeah. <laughs> you, you play an Amnesiac Sith Lord uh, on a Republic starship, be under attack over a middle-of-nowhere planet, gets shot down, you team up with the whiniest starship captain ever to find the one Jedi that was on your ship, because apparently she's super important and has the power of Force MacGuffin. And then this leads... You run around this city, eventually rescue her. You pick up a Wookiee and a Twi'lek, because you need to pick up a Wookiee and a Twi'lek. And you discover that, oh yeah, you're an Am you because you're an Amnesiac Sith Lord, you could be a Jedi. So you're trying to be a Jedi, and then you must f discover that the evil Sith have some sort of crazy super weapon... And if you go to four different planets to find the maps to the original to the location of this crazy super weapon, and square off with your former apprentice in a lightsaber foo of doom, wherein your former apprentice is very foolish and boldly announces exactly how it is that he's going to stay alive, which means that you can take it out and make him very easy to kill. Yeah. So do we want? Do I get to the job of introducing most of the proper nouns here? <laughs> if it'll make you happy. All right, the Jedi you're supposed to find is Bastila, and her battle meditation is apparently so great that, yes, Darth Malak just has to kill her immediately or else turn her to the dark side somehow because she's just too powerful to be left on the other side. And the whiny starship captain would be Carthonassi, and, yes, he is kind of whiny. <laughs> and the Twi'lek, the Twi'lek is Mission, and unlike most Twi'leks, she actually speaks English, which is kind of nice because... The guys who speak male Twi'lek dialect in this game always sound really creepy, like they're about to molest me. And her Wookiee friend is named Zalbar, and of course, being a Wookiee, he speaks Wookiee, which is really, really hard to make come out of human vocal cords. Try it. See what happens. Yeah, you're not quite doing it. Close, though. And the planet you're stuck on for the first part of the game is Telos, which Darth Malak eventually decides to level because, well... It's the only way to be sure. Spoiler. But you get out just before that and manage to head over to Dantooine, where the Jedi Council is hiding out, and you get your quick 
Jedi training, which is in fact is just you remembering what you already knew how to do in your previous life as Darth Revan, which you won't actually learn until you've gone through three of the four star maps that you have to find. And finding those star maps takes you to Kashyyyk, it takes you to Tatooine, it takes you to the home of the Selkath, which is Manan, and vaguely reminds me of Camino, but not rainy, and to Korriban, which is a Sith Academy planet, and so it's not exactly friendly to you. And your final battle will be against the Starforge itself, which the interior of is vaguely reminiscent of a Death Star, and the fleet battle outside is also vaguely reminiscent of the endings of a couple of these movies. I wonder why. Hmm. There are worse things, though. Mm-hmm. So, Could be reminding I, us of the prequels. No, no, stop. Just to stop there, please. Just think, we could have had a Gungan party member. There actually is oh, a Troidarian that... in the Sith Lords, but no Gungans made it into these games. That would have been so freaking cool. But to be able to kill them or to have to <laughs> deal with them otherwise. I would... I, okay, okay. What, what was the name of the robot? HK-47. Yeah, HK-47. Imagine HK-47... With Jar Jar Binks in the same party, I think I Jar Jar. I I think Jar Jar would have lasted about all of two and a half seconds. Yeah, HK forty seven. Jar Jar would be just another form of meat. Yeah, and I think he would. I think he would get quickly <laughs> eliminated just for taking off HK forty seven. <laughs> I, I I yeah. George Lucas must have had a liking for Jar Jar that prevented such a thing from happening. Oh well, we'll just have to live with it. Lucas. Let's let's not go into him too much yet. There'll be plenty of time for Lucas bashing eventually. I'll just leave it with he's a great idea man who should have stopped after he came up with the ideas and let other people have at it because he's not a good director and he's not a good writer either. Other people like say BioWare's writers. Because this story is actually quite entertaining. It is, yes. I think I glossed over a few of the characters. Uh, there's, Yeah, like my two favorites. <laughs> You're not going to say T3M4, are you? T3 is all right, but really, it's all about HK and Jolie. I was about to say, HK. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's just awesome. I mean, I mean, Shirley, Shirley is uh, my wife. She's just sitting here. You know, playing on the computer next to me, and uh, she's not really paying attention to what I'm doing and and the such. But when HK47 did one of his quotes, even she stood up and took notice. She's like, "What? What? What? What is that character in your part? Is calling people meat bags, you know, and talking about different ways to, you know?" She loved how he, you know, he has these innuendos of how he'd like to kill you and stuff. But you know, always end up unless oh, you're playing the dark side, in which case he loves you and wants to kill everybody on behalf of you. Yeah, oh, okay. I always play the light side, but he's no, no. The best thing is is uh, getting him to define love. <laughs> I don't think I tried that one. I think it's an Easter egg in uh, two. Yeah, I got him too late in two to learn all that much. Except that he did not like my light side path. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> and he also does not like it. You initially get him on Tatooine, where he has to translate with the sand people for you. But for some reason, he always throws in the suggestion that it would be a lot faster to, instead of talking to them, just kill them. And he gets very specific in killing them. Like, like you'll talk, be talking to the chief, and he'll translate what the chief says, and then it's like, can I crush his throat now, master? 
Just and the way he, and and the delivery was just spot on. I mean, it always had like a hint of sarcasm. I mean, not a hint, a ton of sarcasm, and um, just really, really well done. I mean, just oh, it was just hilarious because he always end up recognizing you as master. You know, even if he just insinuated that because uh, I always play the light side. Uh, even if he just insinuated that he wanted to kill me, you know. <laughs> But he's like, but at the end of the statement, he'd always say, uh, "Master," you know. It was just hilarious. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm going to find some HK47 quotes and edit them onto the podcast. I'm just going to have to. And he'd always preface his statements with some categorization of them: incredulous, master. Are you sure it would be a good idea not to slay all these meat bags in front of us? <laughs> Stupefied. Master, I cannot believe that you would possibly allow these stupid meatbags to live. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny. Like major points to Chris Tabori who voiced him. Nice. Although he's 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 far from alone in being a good voice actor. The entire cast does a good job in this game. Oh yeah, this is this is a fine, finely voiced all around, including as Master Rook. Ed Asner. I never thought to see him in anything Star Wars, but there he is. <laughs> Harry Tyler Moore's boss, voicing a Jedi Master. Nice. Or if you're unfamiliar with Mary Tyler Moore, he voiced the old man in Up. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I like it. Well, he completed it in an afternoon because they could just lo- loop all the grunting later. later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pixar knows what it's doing. Except for Cars 2, but we'll just let that slide. Kind of got off track there. Yeah. All right. Let, shall we assume that anyone playing this game knows what Tatooine is, or do we actually have to explain what the planet is? I would hope not at this point. Hmm. Yeah, we can probably leave Tatooine and probably Kashyyyk out of it, too. If you're playing this, you probably know what those planets are. But Manan is not something you would have seen from the movies, and... Well, it would have needed a little visual glossing up to make it in the movies, but I can see these cell calf things that look like whale sharks bipedal being another species in the Star Wars universe easily. Come on, Scott, I'm sure you have some fascinating tales of the cell calf and their colto harvests. Oh, I think we are uh, experiencing a couple of uh, technical difficulties as Mr. Walkater is currently trying to reconnect. Oops! Darn. Oops, oops. Apparently speaking about bipedal whale shark humanoids just makes Skype hiccup. (laughs) Shoot. So, um... uh, Okay, how about... Well, unless you were paying very, very close attention in Revenge of the Sith, then you did not see Kashyyyk in any of the movies, so... Mr. Ass, what do you remember of Kashyyyk? Uh, I remember lots of trees. Appropriate, since that is what the Wookiee homeworld is pretty much composed of. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. For some reason, that was not one of my favorite areas to explore. Uh, was that whole area like up in the trees, or was there some point where you had to go down to the bottom for some reason? Yeah, you went down to the bottom, and those stupid Zerka Corporation idiots <laughs> had been um, using sonic devices to keep the larger predators away, which... Just seems stupid to me because the the forest floor of Kashyyyk is where the Wookiees, only their strongest warriors go, and they usually don't come back. 
Yeah. So for humans to go down there and survive any length of time is kind of asking me to swallow a whole lot, but all right. Whatever. <laughs> and yes, that would be where you learn how that Zalbar is an exile from the Wookiee race because he bared his claws against his brother because his brother was trying to sell Wookiees off for slavery. Huh. Yeah, and of course his brother is just so darn sly about it that nobody realized anything until it was too late. And there's your light and dark side tip. Do you want to free the Wookiees or help get them even deeper into slavery? Slavery! <laughs> slavery! Yay! I mean, um, slavery! Yay! Well, I was playing light side too, Phil, so I did not go the slave route. Yeah, no slaves for me. I was not. You were playing the dark side, Mr. Apps? Yes, because the dark side powers were just darn cool. I couldn't resist. Who, who can resist lightning attacks? Yeah, I know. Exactly. I mean, come on. I know. I was relying on stupid throwing the lightsaber bits. Uh, that was okay, but we're talking lightning. Throwing How about you, Scott? Were you light or dark side in the first game? First time around, I went light side. Boo. Forced, wa Forced wave is fun, and that's neutral. Force is weak in this one. Force is weak. And I did like having a cheap heal spell whenever I wanted it. Making the dark side heal you requires having a lot of enemies around. Which is the point when you kind of least need it, because it's early in the fight, and you've barely been hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, already, we're already dragging off okay well maybe we should talk about the battle system a little bit oh oh, I can do that because we all know I'm like the resident battle systems expert see y'all talk about plotting characters in the side from HK47 no <laughs> I remember the I mean I remember the plot was pretty cool I mean overall I enjoyed it I don't I, it's been years been like 10 years so i don't remember i don't remember specifics but i remember it was good enough to keep me uh to keep me interested and keep me going i, yeah, I, like, I remember I like, once you finally get bastila she's interesting enough even if she's kind of arrogant which makes her turn to the dark side unsurprising well you know what she's great as long as you pick uh all these snarkiest answers whenever she asks you a question <laughs> <laughs> i only did that a few times i was pretty confidently light side no, no, you got You got to make her angry because then you you get the edges of what will become Jennifer Hale's uh, renegade op responses. <laughs> um, yeah, and I like the different interactions between the uh, characters. Um, I mean, it's tip. It's it's Bioware, so you know all of that was really good and 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 and, and such. Uh, so the battle system, it's based on a, a, a D, you know, very similar to, to Baldur's Gate, was based on D and D. Uh, Knights of the Republic is based off a D twenty uh, system. I don't know if it was a D twenty system specific to Star Wars or if they just kind of work that. No, because um, see, this is the thing: is that the D twenty system is open gaming content, so anyone can use it. But the star, the specific variants they used for uh, the Star Wars game are proprietary. Mm -hmm. So Bioware took the D20 system, hacked away the bits they really didn't need, and streamlined a few other things, but still ended up with a game that overemphasized melee um, and kind of didn't really have any way to compensate for the whole two-hands, two-handed weapons uh, and versus sword and board versus two weapon, a weapon in each hand sort of dynamic that melee combat in 
D20 has. So there's really no reason to not have two guns at all times. This um, is true. Yeah, and not to not to mention you could just two 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 lightsabers for the same reason I did was just because it looked badass. <laughs> maybe there was combat bonuses. Maybe maybe it did less or more damage than one weapon or two. You know a you know a two bladed uh, weapon. I didn't care. Having a having a lightsaber in each hand and wielding them around was just really really cool. So I mean, but uh, you know, yeah, especially are... since my lightsaber was yellow. That's a color I'd never seen on a lightsaber before. Yeah. So, oh yeah, yeah. It had different lightsaber colors by the gems you put in. But but I'll let y'all talk about the upgrade systems. The battle system itself, um, so very similar to something like a Baldur's Gate. But as uh, Scott alluded to, it's it definitely has been streamlined. Uh, the the um, uh, you have two other party members uh, with you pretty much most of the time, and uh, when you get into combat, you can pause and give orders to uh, each one separately if you'd like. Uh, you do have a, an inventory of items. And uh, you'll have uh, grenades are your friends. Yeah, grenades, and you'll have uh, your your uh, powers uh, to help you uh, do some extra damage here and there, or heal people and the such. And uh, during the during most of the easy battles, you can just kind of kick back and watch your watch your guys just go all melee on people. And uh, and that's just actually just fun just to sit back and watch that. The graphics actually hold up pretty decent for a ten year old game. Um, it's it's oh, almost yeah, ten years. I, yeah. All I can really say is that they reused the same character face more than once, which is kind of distracting. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more more than once would be something of an understatement. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, didn't I just deal with you on? Kashyyyk, why are you here on Korriban? <laughs> are there identical triplets all over the galaxy? Apparently, yes. <laughs> um, so, but especially in combat, it moves very quickly and look and is very visually appealing. Yeah. Also, nice. also, this this game has one of the, something I absolutely love in it, in sort of this, and I wish more of the Bioware pause and play games did it was uh, you could stack up orders so you could just have the next five moves of any given character prepped yes. ahead of you. That was yeah. very nice so that you don't have to select Master Flurry once and then wait for it to happen before you select it again. Mm, true. Um, and I, I pretty much stuck with Flurry all the time because it was really effective. Um and yeah, and and I and I think for the most part I enjoyed it. Um, it was uh, some sometimes it would be a little on the if you're if you're stepping from a Baldur's Gate like I was, and it, it kind of felt a little too simplistic because it, it was definitely a step in the simplified direction. But on the other hand, it also makes it much easier to recommend to someone who hasn't played those types of Baldur's or uh, those types of Bioware Baldur's Gate type of games before. Um, yeah. Like yeah. This- like you just dial this thing down to easy, set auto level up on, and you can just watch. Yeah, you can just watch. Yeah, <laughs> I think I only oh, yeah. had to get really strategic for like a couple of battles where I was really kind of getting heavy into the pause and making sure that each character was using a specific item or a specific skill. In order, yeah, you know, it's funny. The first time you fight Darth Malak, which is three of the four planets uh, with the star maps have been found, and you're about to go to the fourth, and suddenly this. The Sith ship called the Leviathan picks you up, and actually, we can talk about that because the whole escape from the dun- from the dungeons routine is pretty interesting here. But when you fight Darth Malak, he's kind of a pushover this time, anyway. He- yeah, like you, you, you just have to get him down to like two thirds health, and then he does the plot thing, and then you find out, OMG, I am to evils, but not. Really. I am Darth Revan. <laughs> 
Well, and they've and one thing they do, they do it like when you go back for a second playthrough, you see it foreshadowed. But the most brilliant thing is Darth Revan's theme music plays on the character creation screen. Does it? Yeah. Oh my god, I never noticed that. Yeah, no. It, I, it took me like the third playthrough to clue in, and I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> well played, sound engineers, well played." That'd be Jeremy Soul, wouldn't it? Or at least Probably. he's the guy who composed it. Well, With but the... he might not have been in charge of where the music was placed. For could that. be, yeah. I just want to give the man props for making music that sounds admirably close to what John Williams would have made. Yeah, it sounds. Could... It does not sound out of place. No, this this game really didn't have an overabundance of like the movie soundtrack, but it never sounded out of place for a Star Wars game, if I remember correctly. Because I don't, I, I I don't remember there being like a lot of the movie themes in the game. No, well, like the they put, there's the theme of the, the force at the beginning. They do the yeah. force theme, and I think one... and yeah, they use they use the the ending credits music from the first movie that John Williams did, but. Other than that, I don't remember any movie themes either. And I think possibly subplot. What was that? What was that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, I think some of the snippets from the episode two soundtrack came in for romantic subplot actions. I'm pretty sure. That's actually not a problem because episode Attack of the Clones has many, many problems, but John Williams did make a fine score for it. Yep. Well, John really Williams did, yeah. is never a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can say whatever you want about the newer movies, and there's a lot to say, but John Williams did his job fine. Anyway. Um, yeah, that, that escape from the Leviathan section where you get to choose the character who's going to break you out, I kind of liked that. I had... Uh, it really was a completely different sort of play feel for every character, and I'm breaking up. And I'm trying to remember the name of the Mandalorian who joins you on Telos. Kandoros Ordo. Kandoros. Oh, no, no. Yes. <laughs> I had him break Mandalorians. His, his automatic regeneration came in very handy. Where'd you go, Scott? Uh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, okay. But I, I think I still have a save file there just because I want to try out different characters and see what happens if I put, say, HK-47 in there. Probably the, probably the same thing killing everything in his path, but... Yeah, he, he wakes up in the repair bay and is all like, I'm gonna kill some things. And then you run around and you use the, his flamethrower arm to light everything on fire. That sounds like the best possible option. Yeah, especially, and for the record, if you are gonna pick this game up, always play Scout. That way you get the repair skill, which means you can upgrade HK-47 all the way to true <laughs> combat badassitude. I remember my repair skill being pretty good, my demolition skill being pretty good, too, for grabbing all those mines and maybe putting them in the path of my enemies later. No, no, mines are just cash. Like, you pass the skill check, you get 100 credits for it. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of the second game, sorry. Getting them mixed up. I, I played them back-to-back. -back. All yeah. right, so... Well, we, you mentioned Jaleel, Scott. Talk about him. Okay, so Joe Lee might actually be my favorite character out of this game, and I hope to God one day he gets a spin-off comic or something. <laughs> because he's just badass. Well, yeah, the guy's been camping out on Kashyyyk's surface for, what, five years? 
Yeah. Like he like you find out as you talk to him, you find out that he told the he just flipped the bird at the Jedi Council when he was a teenager so that he could actually do something useful during the Exar Kun War. Proceeded to get married, um, have a couple kids, get a little screwed up, and then spend the rest of his time uh, hiding in the forest of Kashyyyk, <laughs> where he gained some sort of... like he, he The, the Wookiees kind of mysticize him. like They mythicize him. He's like the angry ghost. <laughs> and he always seems to have some sort of sarcastic comment to make whenever anything goes down. Yeah, I think unfortunately I didn't really use him towards till towards the end of the game, so I kind of missed a lot of that. Yeah, shame like it, on me. Anytime the Jedi Council comes up, he has unflattering things to say, <laughs> and I appreciate that because the Jedi Council in this game kind of douchey. Yes. <laughs> yes. Shall we discuss exactly how it is that you are Darth Revan and have no memory of yourself? Jedi Council is behind it. Yeah. The the gist of it was that Bastila ended up leading a strike team that invaded the capital ship of your fleet. And in the middle of the fight, your apprentice was all like, Ah, it is time for my sudden but inevitable betrayal. Open fire! And for whatever reason, some exploding consoles explode behind you. You get knocked out, and the Jedi take you prisoner, wipe your memories, and uh, construct a new personality that's a good guy. <laughs> and then, like, assign Bastila to keep an eye on you, so you don't go all evil again. That, and she has that link with you because she's the one who reconstructed your mind, or, or kept you alive, that's it. Yeah. And then, of course, she turns to the dark side layer because she's easily susceptible to that. So, yeah, it's... If you choose to go dark side, there are plenty of motivations that make pretty good sense for it. Yeah. And Jolie... What else? Uh, well, he's with you when you infiltrate that... The, the generator on the planet below the Star Forge. Yeah. And he's he accompanies you with that other Jedi who you steered away from the dark side on Dantooine, the... Or you could just kill her because the conversation is really fiddly to get right, <laughs> and she's not annoying and not very useful in combat anyhow. Yeah, she's the Catwoman who speaks with the Eastern European accent for some reason. And is kind of a lesbian. Like, I don't no think matter I ever what, up that option. No, no, no matter what gender you are, she will hit on you at one point, and then your only response is, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I must have just glossed over that. Dang it, what is her stupid name? Juhani? That sounds right, yeah. I thought her name was that girl I that died and I never used. <laughs> That's also a good name. <laughs> <laughs> well, I understand if you turn dark side and join with Bastila because she just she just declares if you join me right now we can stop we can Triumph over Darth Malak and be the true Sith. And if you do that, then Jolie and Juhani just turn on you and you have to kill them. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's kind of one of the coolest parts in the game. Where you yeah, can like turn that, that and final then... turn is just like half your party ends up dead within five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Unexpected. Yeah, 
Can't you, awesome. Because Zabrak owes you a life debt, aren't you able to make him kill Mission to fulfill it? Yep. <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> and I guess we should discuss Darth Malak since he is the villain, and by villain standards, he's pretty good. He, he gets pretty so. monologue He does. And it, it's amazing that he's able to talk that much with a metal jaw. But that's just part of his mystique, I guess. Yeah. We ever learn is it's not revealed in the game how he lost his jaw. I'm assuming there is some explanation out there. Oh no, it, it does come up in the game, I think. Like I know in the cutscenes, like when you flash back to when you were just back from the Mandalorian Wars, he still has a jaw. So I think it happened at some point during the Jedi Civil War, and I'm gonna look it up now because I've got the character <laughs> sheet open. Yeah, I know I saw him without the jo- with his jaw in that flashback, and I saw him in a cutscene without his metal jaw, and it's just creepy with no lower jaw and that blinking voice box. But I never saw exactly how he lost his jaw. Now, um, one of the one of the things about Bioware games normally is that you can make decisions, and we talked about <laughs> we talked about you know how some of those decisions you make. So you, you got you know lead you to the light side or the dark side. You got this little meter uh, that kind of shows you just how bright and beautiful you are, how dark and nasty you are. And oh yeah, um, I've, I just found out apparently Revan took his jaw off at some point. Oh wow. Well, that, that must have been when Re- when Revan was determining you are my apprentice, not the other way around. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you just got to take that jaw right off. <laughs> yeah, if the if the guy, other guy won't shut up about I'm the stronger one, then take his jaw off, and he won't have a choice. Yeah, I'll shut him up. Uh, so, uh, but I believe I guess uh, I guess uh, one of the things that was criticized about the game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, hopefully I'm not thinking of number two, was uh, the fact that there was, wasn't there like a decision or something you could make at the end that basically would, that could possibly uh, undo basically everything you've done so far in that game? Like, you could build your way up, you know, make all these decisions, get all the way to the light side or to the dark side, but there's this one decision that you make towards the end that just... What, where you decide whether to ally with Bastila or beat up on her until she runs away. Yeah, probably that's the one. I don't remember which one it was. Well, uh, I thought about trying to do the dark side at that point, but apparently you don't suddenly switch over to the entirely opposite end of the scale, and because of the bonuses you get for using force powers of your own alignment, going straight to neutral again wouldn't necessarily be very helpful at that point. Yeah, well, there's more so than that. I think the one thing that kind of bugs me is that the one thing that bugs him is that he keeps falling off the call. And we'll never know. Yeah, we'll never know about the one thing that bugs him. Must be a okay, thunderstorm yeah. over Toronto tonight. I, I'm I back, so. and the weather is crummy today. So there was wow. one thing that bugs you, and, and we were all like waiting on the edge of our seats to find out what that one thing is. Okay, so uh, on Taurus, there's like a buttload of side quests, and there's all these choices, and you feel all these ramifications. And then the second you're done there, it just gets glassed. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Had I known, well, had I made a bigger point of trying to do everything on Taros, then uh, what could I have done? 
there's a hut on the planet that you can try to make it to the top of the the dual circuit for. Hmm. Say again. I think you said. Trying to do a dance All right, who's doing the Kraftwerk album? Wow. <laughs> we apologize for these technical difficulties of the RPG backcheck, which are well beyond our control. Oh, goodness gracious. Well, I, I guess we need to play a Kraftwerk song now so everyone knows how these electronic beats are supposed to go. Yeah, poor Scott. I just can't seem to keep him on the call. But he's here in spirit. <laughs> That's what's important. If he was here, what would he say? Mr. Apps, what would you say? Hmm. I would say that I had a thought and I lost it. I'm sorry. Uh, let me help you. Maybe if I introduce the topic of Korriban and the Sith Academy, you will have thoughts. Maybe? Okay. Continue. Well, exploring the Sith tombs in your search to acquire prestige and make it to the top of the Sith class in order to either kill the instructor or kill his apprentice who's trying to usurp the position of instructor. Or just kill them both. (laughs) That is an option, but one I chose not to do, mostly because I wasn't confident enough that I could kill both of them solo. Mm -hmm. Because you are solo for that fight. It is a tough fight to take him with once. And, oh yes, that... The former instructor at the academy who hides out in one of the temples and attempts to instruct you in the ways of how a proper Sith should act. Such as his great question, there's a charismatic leader from the Sith helping conquer world after world. You have an opportunity to kill this leader and take over his position. Do you do it? And if you say no, you're an idiot. A true Sith would kill this guy immediately because you could then take his position and he force lightnings you. <laughs> nice. And there are several like, other questions. And if you give the wrong answer, he force lightnings you. And if you give the right answer, he force lightnings the other guy in there. You know, that really goes to show why there are no Sith left by the time of the movies. They just keep fighting for for power until there's none of them left. It's true. When your entire philosophy of governance is the instant you have a chance, kill the person in power and take it for yourself, that does not promote longevity. No, it does not. Other thoughts on that, Scott? Did you lose him again? (laughs) I'm not Scott, but I play Scott on TV. It's kind of interesting because you see two sides of... uh, Fuck off. (laughs) <laughs> okay. he just, he's just now figuring it out <laughs> okay all right. <laughs> but uh, all right um it, it shows two sides of the sith philosophy there's the philosophy they portray to themselves where it's all about personal freedom and the reveling in your own emotions and then there's just yeah no be a dick for being a dick's sake <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i think i mean i'm not super big into star wars lore i've watched the the real trilogy and i kind of ignored the fake trilogy um but yeah when you're just being uh, you know like you said just being a dick for dick's sake it just comes across as <laughs> kind of lame i mean 
that was that was the only cool thing about the fake trilogy is it gave a little bit of explanation why Darth Vader is a dick. Um, <laughs> that was that was that was that was actually the only thing I got out of those seven or eight hours. Um, uh, yeah. Hey, you got uh, to watch some Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee is always worth seeing. Yeah. So um, no, and I think that's kind of some of the problem of of some of the uh, of some of the things that that go on there, but that tends to happen a lot in in Star Wars, from what I understand. There's the dicks <laughs> well, for the, the dicks' sake. The fact that the Sith go back thousands of years and thousands of years of dickdom. I'm sorry, <laughs> slipped out. <laughs> well, yeah. After the last of the current dicks are all dead, then the people who have learned how to be a dick from these people just decide. What a great idea! Let's do it for ourselves! <laughs> and because we're talking about an entire galaxy, you can see this recreated over and over. Watch me just simplify the hundreds of Star Wars Extended Universe books into this philosophy. Actually, what's really interesting is um, there's a comic running now called Knight Errant, and it's set before the Sith unification in, um, that takes place about 50 years before uh, this game. And so you see about, like, 50 different little Sith philosophies all carving their own little city-states out of one region of the galaxy. So each one is unique and insane in its own way. Like, there's a Darth Solipsist who really (laughs) believes he's the only person in the universe and that he uh, is, in fact, a god challenging himself by pitting his mortal form against (laughs) increasingly bizarre challenges. What? Yes. (laughs) What? Sith philosophy lessons, people. Maybe if they were more widely known, then college philosophy courses would have more attendees. <laughs> okay. well, let's see. We might as well recount the final battle, the assault on the Starforge. I took the light path, so here we go. We're getting okay. in there, and the Republic fleet is fighting with the Sith forces outside, and what do you know? It looks remarkably like the movies. I'm fine with that. You get in there, Darth Malak sends out all of his apprentices and his droids at you, and this made me happy that I had destroyed droid as one of my powers because it just wreaks havoc with droids. And after you've slaughtered about, I don't know, 100, 150 things in your way, you fight Bastila. And I turned her back to the light side because I'm just nice like that. With the power of makeouts. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and then Darth Malak shows off how good he is with the Star Forge and starts generating infinite droids, but what do you know? You can shut those droid-producing plants down, and then you fight him, and he displays that he's sucking the life force from these captive Jedi. Who, well, all, have, who all have the face of the guy I ended up playing, Jedi <laughs> Mullet Man. So it's a little weird. Yeah, I guess... That's another reason the Jedi Council should be looked at in a funny way, because it really likes that one face. <laughs> but he really shouldn't well, have I shown mean, me that, because then I get the, to There is a certain them. power inherent to the Jedi mullet. <laughs> oh, Not quite as much power as the Jedi beard, but still. Worth I really should have played a guy in that game, because all of the female face options were not that great. Hmm. Well, I don't know. The, the, the guy options weren't. No. Much better. no, they really weren't. <laughs> There's mullet guy, and I think one of the black dudes was pretty good looking. So the, lesson, the rest were junk. The lesson here is, boys <laughs> and girls, if you play Knights of the Old Republic, you're going to be butt ugly. 
Well, I mean, that's, that seems to be kind of a Bioware trend. It is, uh, you know, but oh well. That's okay. What can you do about it? I, I, you know, I, I, you, you With know, the Neverwinter Nights engine, they didn't have much. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of continues the, 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 well, this actually kind of, I think this is the first game, maybe, I can't remember if this came out before Morrowind, where I'm now starting to play RPGs with behind the back of the character and you're running around in a third person view was that was this before does anybody know off the top of their head this was before or after morrowind uh, i think it's after because morrowind came out really much, early in the yeah. xbox's lifespan right not yeah. like, like maybe a year year and a half after morrowind okay they were very close and i mean Morrow and morrowind was mo i mean most people played that in first person anyways but um, but, uh, yeah, you're definitely, you know, this is where, this is where I saw, this is where uh, being someone who's kind of followed the games throughout the, the decades, this is where I, I saw this big, huge step towards merging these two ideas that you would see in something like a Mara's Win or Kingsfield, and then, you know, with something like a Baldur's Gate. So we got our first step to, big step, I won't say the first step, but it definitely was a huge step towards homogenization of the uh, of the first person shooter and the action games and the RPGs um, cuz it was a smaller party simpler gameplay not quite you know it's not not quite exactly Fallout 3 or anything but I often when I talk about the history of RPGs and console and computer RPGs to me uh Knights of the Old Republic was that first for me, it was the first big step that I saw towards homogenization. Until then, games like the Kingsfield and the Morrowind, and there were some other first-person RPGs before that, but those were always kind of a you know a totally separate uh, category. And uh, I mean, they, they they just something that never really interested me uh, too much outside of actually Morrowind did, just because it was so big. <laughs> um, but um, yeah. <laughs> It definitely felt like to me after I, you know, after playing Baldur's Gate, Icewind Dale, uh, and those types of things, uh, when I got into, uh, you know, Knights uh, of the old Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, it felt like, hmm, wow, it, it was really, it just felt like it was really simple. The story was still there, and that's what hooked me. The characters, the the dialogue, uh, you know, all those things that make Bioware uh, games great were really great. But underneath the hood, the actual. Uh, you know the gameplay itself, the battle mechanics, the uh, systems for leveling up, the inventory management, uh, and the such were all simplified, and uh, the experience made even faster. So we saw the first step with Baldur's Gate in a real-time uh, system, uh, and then we got a really big step with Knights of the Old Republic with a three-man party, faster combat, simpler options uh, to keep the kind of thing going. And then later on, we'd see those steps taken even further with uh, games like Mass Effect and the such. So uh, I'd just like to say with regard to this game in particular and its sequel that I found not leveling up until I was in desperate need of the full hit point replenishment oh, that it gives you. Very, very useful. <laughs> well, it's also kind of interesting that if you don't, like, like you almost want to speedrun Terrace just so you don't earn much XP there, so you have more levels of Jedi than your starter class. And yeah. then in two, you don't level any of your characters till you unlock Jedi options for them. So, again, more Jedi levels. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of that going on. There's still some of that depth uh, from the D D20 system. Uh, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, you had to – you didn't unlock the Jedi classes until when? Like you did a beginning quest or something like that? No, after you leave Taros, uh -huh. or, you get then, your 
You go to Dantooine and you get your training montage. Right. And then you get your first level of Jedi. <laughs> Wherein you learn mysteriously, at least if you haven't played the game before, that it will be quite mysterious that you are so quick to learn the Jedi skills. So yeah, so you you have yeah you have the uh, the idea that you can take uh, different levels of different classes. Uh, wow, that's yeah, that's definitely a, a, a deep D twenty thing. <laughs> so and then two added prestige classes to the mix, which was fun. Oh okay, yeah. So still keeping still keeping some of that depth, uh, and and then you know later on we get to games like you know other games where you just don't really have you don't have any of the d20 system you know they kind of uh you know dragon age origin and stuff and kind of start from scratch and, and give a system that's more straightforward and so you are limited to level 20 being your max yeah that's a typical that's a typical d20 you know type of thing um a lot of games are balanced around the uh, the, the 20 level progression and past that's considered uh epic levels and few games uh support that kind of progression so by basically by twentieth by thirtieth I think it's thirtieth level are deities. So once you get past twentieth <laughs> level, you're like you're working up to archangel or something. I don't know, but uh, yeah, twentieth level there in in a, in, a, in something like a, you know a dungeon dragons uh, and the such. You're you're really ready to start taking on some of the uh, sub deities and and their 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 minion their powerful minions and the such, and you know gain a few more levels and you're ready to start taking on the deities directly. <laughs> so, and, and much like anything else in D and uh, deities are vast repositories of XP and loots. That's right. Got to, <laughs> got to kill them all. <laughs> what happened to all the old gods? Well, there was this one party that made it past level twenty, and they went and killed all the old gods, little Bobby, <laughs> and took their loot and experience and became gods themselves. So, yeah. It's, it's and now stuff. we worship Bob the Bob, Fighter, Lefifimin, <laughs> the Elf God, and uh, uh, Jim Dark Magic. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of, there's still obviously that that D&D under the hood there, but as Mike pointed out, there's that option to just run the game on easy, you can turn on auto-leveling, and you can ignore that and just watch the battles unfold and enjoy the great story and the great dialogue, but if you're old school like me and you grew up off of the you know off the uh deep dungeon dragons uh gameplay under the hood uh you'll still find that there are some uh plenty of customization options you can take different levels uh build your character up and uh and uh, do some things to customize them uh, and enjoy it while you can because you know later later games start tossing that out the window so <laughs> also pazak what's a pazak Pazak is apparently the card yes. game that the galaxy uh, used before Sabak. Oh jeez, <laughs> too funny. It's a fun. It's actually a pretty fun game. Hmm. That's like, a... I would play this at home normally. <laughs> sure. Sure. Well, you know what wasn't all that much fun, although it was not completely game breaking. Those moments when you took to the to the Ebon Hawks turbo lasers and fired down on oh, yeah. six enemy fighters, and just. Oh yeah, and the turret turned incredibly slowly, and you can only fire one projectile at a time, asteroid style. Mm-hmm. And you just had to hope that you were good enough to notice. Oh, it's coming in! I'm going to shoot it now before it shoots me and takes out my shields, and I get game over, and I have to reload my last save. Ah! <laughs> oh, and how almost invariably there's one star close enough to give you massive lens flare for a big section of the screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loved that. Got to use that Xbox graphics card. <laughs> I, I should mention that um, 
my first paycheck went my first paycheck from my first real job went to buying an Xbox and this game. <laughs> that is an a moment of note that I wish I could match with my first paycheck and I don't even remember what that went to. I assume you have no regrets. None, none at all. Meant I it I got off the PC upgrade treadmill and I didn't have to wait the 6 months for the game. <laughs> uh well yeah but i mean i i played it on the pc uh pretty close to its release time and but i saw my friend play it on the xbox and the pc looked better so go play that one instead well at this point playing it i it might be easier to find a pc version than an xbox (laughs) one yeah. Well, that's a really good point. Let's uh, let me take a look at availability and pricing, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap this up because we got a whole another one to talk about, and uh, we'll get your final thoughts and yeah, opinions. Don't you don't you have to depend upon the backward compatibility updates that Microsoft put into the stream from 360? Yeah, I'm presuming I'm presuming that for decent compatibility, you're probably going to need to go ahead and buy an X if, if you don't already have an old Xbox to, to do that. Because yeah, the compatibility of the uh, I'm sure somebody can write on the forums whether or not this one's listed as totally compatible, but the backwards compatibility of the older games on the newer like Xbox it it is on the list of games. I'm not sure how the patch hold holds it all together though probably yeah. pretty well yeah. so, i imagine this so the, one gets got a little more attention than yeah. some of the others the more popular games got the most attention and they've run quite well for the most part so that one's probably okay but i mean given that you can buy this game on steam and run it on you know Anything. Probably a netbook. Huh, yeah, a netbook. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not really, not really your best option. It's yeah, and it's it's like I said, it looks good. I mean, as long as you don't look at your character's face that you generated, um, <laughs> you know, the, the backgrounds and everything. I mean, it it's 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 good for. Its I age. have an identical twin on Kashyyyk. How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so as you mentioned, get on Steam. Clone and... Wars started a little early, apparently. <laughs> you can get. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should mention that this really nailed down the look and feel of Star Wars just from yeah, the aesthetic standpoint. It is like, just, even the sound effects were right on. Yeah, it is yeah, just they, really well designed. The lightsabers sound just right. The blasters sound just right. All the sound effects are just right. Like I'm sure they pulled the library from Skywalker Sound, but even that's kind of a feat considering how much of those are on cassette tapes. Oh, God. Though it does mean that any non-human that doesn't speak basic is going to speak in its own language, which wasn't really intended for you to hear in large segments. Well, and they'd give you, and there were characters that got way more dialogue than, like, I think in the writing phase, they planned on doing a bit more with the constructed languages than they had time for. Because you hear a few phrases over and over, and it's like, this guy should not have been given this much exposition. No. Yeah, I think every male twi- Twi'lek had the same voice actor doing the same few phrases over and over, and after you listen to their language enough, you start to notice. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's also the fact that it stands in for Twi'lek, uh, Hutties, and Mandalorian somehow. <laughs> <laughs> like it is generic, not English. <laughs> oh, jeez. So. Uh, as we mentioned before, you can get on Steam. It's nine ninety nine. Of course, they have those Steam sales every holiday, and 
Uh, usually I see, I've even seen as low as like three or four bucks before. So you can hold out for one of those if of $10 is too much for you. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I have some friends, you know, it just, it, it, you know, it, 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 I, I'm just saying. All right. Now, just for the record, when Mike was searching for a copy of this game, he showed me a link to an eBay page where it was both games for 80 and asked me if it was a good deal. And I told him, um, any price is good for these games. <laughs> Go buy. Well, yeah. I mean, artistically, that, yes. But yeah. But account, you know, being the accounting mind that I am, I will tell you that a good uh, or service is only as valuable as people are willing to pay for it. And according to the good people at uh, Half.com, people are willing to pay about ten bucks plus shipping. And that's probably because Steam has this, you know, the PC version for ten bucks, and that kind of sets the trend. So yeah, you can get a used Xbox uh, copy for about fifteen total. You can get a brand new uh, in the box in the shrink wrap for about forty. <laughs> you know, no, actually, there's no brand new games on. I'm sorry, I lied. It's like new. <laughs> so I would say yeah, get I would say get the Steam version myself. You can tweak up the settings, play it on your netbook as you said, and uh, put that on big screen. That's how I played it on my. What do I have? I have an HP laptop with Windows 7, and it worked just fine, except for the few times when it ducked out of the main game screen and I went back to what was whatever was behind it, but it was still there, so I just clicked on the icon again, and it was fine. May, yeah, may not be alt-tab friendly, but uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I would ask you all what your thoughts are, but I think we all universally agree that, uh, that it's a really, really fun game, despite some uh, blemishes uh, here and there. Um, it's really a fun yeah, experience. Yeah, and, and even the the repet the repetitive repetitive just blame it on the Clone Wars. Just blame it on the Clone Wars. The non humans. I is like easy to get past because you can just click your mouse over and over and speed along the dialogue. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I thought you were going to say the reputation of the the faces that you see. I I blame it on the Clone Wars. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's where Darth Sidious oh got the idea. He was thinking about 4,000 years prior when lots of clones were all over the galaxy already. Yeah, he had, he had played older uh, PC games where we they do that trick over and over again. He's like, wait a minute, they are, they're on to something here, hey? <laughs> all right, well, while our audience ponders the deep mysteries of cloning, uh, we're going to take a short recess, and we'll be right back after these commercial messages. Welcome back. We're ready to talk about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2. 
The Sith Lords, developed by Obsidian Entertainment, published by LucasArts. This Xbox and Microsoft single-player futuristic RPG was released on the Xbox here in uh, North America on December 6, 2004. And on Microsoft Windows, just a few weeks down the road, February 8, 2005. This is rated T. But is it terrific? Like its predecessor. I think it is pretty darn good. And it definitely has more hits than misses for me. But it's impossible to deny that it seems to have been rushed out. And that's evident in the bugs. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an Obsidian game. And you know what that means now. Hey, hey, now let's... There's there's reasons for some of those buggy games. Yes, and I know. It's called Obsidian Can't Make a Decent Deal with a Publisher. <laughs> How many quality assurance and testers did I see listed in those credits? There had to be over 40 of them total, but I... Well, that that is that is 37 more than New Vegas. Wow. Really? I count... Like, you watch the New Vegas credits, you count three guys... Credit is QA. Well, it it showed. Yeah. Well, let's not go there quite yet. All right. I have, a, I have a feeling Fallout can spawn quite a bit of talk elsewhere. Well, I, I and I meant to bring this up, and I should probably not do it on the show, but I think for Fallout, I think we should do like pit, pit stops for one and two, and then go all out on three and four because more people have played them. There's a four? New Vegas. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to be sure I hadn't missed it. I thought I would have noticed something like that. Anyway, the Sith Lords. Now, yeah, let's just get the bad out of the way real fast, like the bugs. Um, Some of them are little things like, hey, I'm clicking on this metal box over here, and for some reason, instead of going and opening it, my character is getting stuck on this piece of scenery so that I have to walk somewhere else and then click on it, and then I can go and open it. What's that about? Or there's the whole... We're on Telos now. We're about to go meet with Atris in whatever her Jedi sanctum is. But if you don't choose exactly the right piece of dialogue, you get massive glitch that forces you to reload an earlier save. I experienced this. The massive glitch where your characters do not end up in the containment fields that they were supposed to be in and instead just apparently fall over in the middle of a room and say things about cheat nodes. And that means... You have to reload an earlier save, or you cannot progress at all. Ooh. Yeah, that wasn't too much fun. And I didn't experience any other really big ones, except late in the game when you're on Dachshund about to go back to Onderon, and you're trying to get back to the Mandalorian base, you need, apparently, to take the Mandalorian scout's offer to just transit you to that base immediately. Because if you try and walk there on your own, the game crashes. At least it yeah. did for me. Well, it, it also just crashes at random or freezes at random or doesn't load out of cutscenes. I must have gotten random. a patched version because it didn't have nearly that bad a problem for me. Well, I played this on the Xbox without uh, live at the time, so I did not get any patches. Ooh. Like, the PC version did get patched, and you've got, um, obviously, Team Gizka's work on restoring cut content at the same time. But the Xbox version is kind of painful. And which is funny since it's the more expensive version. <laughs> Ouch. Ain't that the way. Yep. Yuck. So, well, and, and we can get into the cut content, I guess, later when we discuss the conclusion, which 
does undeniably show that things were cut. Yeah. Let's talk about the good stuff. All right. So which good thing do we want to start with? Uh, how about the characters? Because I thought most they were all pretty interesting. I like that this game went darker and that it actually matched it by bringing characters with some very, very sort of troubled backgrounds. Yeah, even your even your main character is not an amnesiac, but a Jedi who was in the Mandalorian Wars and did something there that made her. I guess she's officially female for the yeah. canon now. As which is a, a big step forward because she's the first um, optional, gender optional video game character to be canonically female. Really? Yeah. Oh, the uh, the guy from Rebel Assault is a dude, officially. As there we go. Uh, Star, Star Star Wars Wiki says that her official name is Mitra Surik. And having lost the ability to touch the Force, she was she. Marched in front of the Jedi Council and was officially made an exile from it, and then spent a good ten years sitting out the yeah, entire but- Darth Malak affair, and then the Jedi Civil War that followed afterwards, which lapses between the games. The, the Jedi just decided some of them. You know, the fact that the Jedi Council allowed Darth Revan and Darth Malak to exist says that it's more, it's run by idiots. We should do things our own way. The <laughs> well, way. Well, okay. I want to point out just how idiotic the Jedi council is from the cutscene <laughs> where you watch yourself be ejected from the order. Cause in a final act of defiance, you jam your lightsaber into this pillar that is sitting in the middle of the room, obstructing everyone's view of everyone else in the <laughs> council chamber. Why is that pillar there? <laughs> this is the room where Exiles put their lightsabers in a pillar, and they only use it every millennium. Also, this is uh, the the Jedi in the intervening years between uh, the first game and the second. The Jedi have been hunted to near extinction for the first time in the chronology, but for like the fifth time ever across all the media. Which means that really the Jedi need to be put into captivity with some special breeding programs. Just to maintain an active population for future generations to appreciate. (laughs) They're pretty bad about breeding, though. I don't think even that would do much. Okay, so you're you're not called Mitra Surik in the game, but that's your canon name. And you wind up on this Paragus mining station full of explosive fuel. And eventually along comes a Sith ship with a guy you will eventually learn is Darth Sion on board. And a bunch of Sith troopers go after you, and what do you know? They suck. You can kick their butts with ease at this point in the game. With a broken plasma torch. (laughs) Yes. Though that plasma torch is awesome for breaking down doors. Yeah. And you are assisted in this endeavor by an old woman named Kreia, who attempts to stall Darth Sion and gets her left arm cut off for the effort. And yet, apparently, that only makes her stronger. The, the only penalty is that she can't do anything double-handed anymore, which does make sense. And Darth... And... I'm sorry, I... I spoiled it! She's Darth Treya. Yep. Gasp. And, well, the whole time you get this weird vibe off her... Well, you can see her alignment on the character screen, for starters. <laughs> and the whole time, she's kind of lecturing you in this pseudo-Nichi wannabe sort of way. Yeah, her alignment is flat neutral. There's nothing you can do to change it, light or dark. She thinks for herself and only herself. 
Except she considers you apparently the greatest creation of her training career and must make sure that you survive. Well, because you have unique powers that come from the flubity whatsits you did to end the Mandalorian Wars. <laughs> exactly. Also, uh, Mike, I'm assuming you only played this game once? Uh, so I far, yes. Not... Um, whoops. Uh, well, you can speak on it, Mr. Rapp. Say what you know. Uh, I will not finish this game. Okay, so I'm going to let you in on the best Easter egg ever. On your second playthrough, and if you play a woman, when you get introduced to Ant Rand, his first words are, Are you an angel? Oh man, that is the worst line I've ever used. I hope some (laughs) stupid kid doesn't start using it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Like, this this game has tons of Easter eggs for the second playthrough. I encourage you to, to look for them. Uh, the first to... time, all he, all he notices is that since you haven't found any clothes yet, uh, could you go put some clothes on instead of hanging around in your underwear? To oh, tempt wait, me? No, the, the other Easter egg from his introduction is that if you ask him where he's from, he'll break the fourth wall and say that he's a rejected character design from uh, Jedi Knight 3. <laughs> <laughs> say what you want about a Sibian, but its writers knew what they were doing. Heck yeah. Oh yeah, I think that's always been their best aspect. Not so much. Okay, so you, so you brought up Atten, and go with it, Scott. Talk about okay. Atten. So Atten is a is an assassin, a former assassin. He worked for the Sith army across. Uh, well, he he started out in the Republic army during the Mandalorian Wars, and he sided with the Sith out of loyalty. And they discovered that he had a particular knack for killing Jedi because he can keep his mind occupied with really mundane things so that they can't pick up on what he's actually planning on doing. So he would ambush Jedi, cut them up, or uh, capture them. And uh, now he's sort of on this... He, now that the wars are over, he's sort of been bouncing from port to port as a tramp freighter pilot. And just sort of... And he sort of looks to you for a chance at redemption. He's also a possible love interest, and he teaches you how to play Bazak better. And he's one of those you can turn into a Jedi if you get enough influence. Yeah, most of the most of the cast in this game you can convert to being Jedi through over the course of the game through the marvelous influence system, which <laughs> guarantees that anything you do will please one person and piss off another. That yeah, I, I more or less to just manage. Not really. It it depends on the character, honestly. Like, Some of them have far more specific requirements, but you can easily get at least a couple of them to turn Jedi, and that's very helpful. Hmm. Um, yeah, I did not, in fact, get Atten to go Jedi. I didn't spend enough influence with him. I went for Myra and Disciple. I don't even know why I went with Disciple. It was just easy. Uh, Disciple's a douche. He is, and he speaks like a prim British man who, who is kind of douche-like. But he was easy to turn into Jedi, so I spent the five minutes and did it. And we haven't even gotten a disciple. We got Atten. There's T three M four, and he said he's even more of an R two D two clone now. Yep. And if you get his parts, HK forty seven is back. Yep. You find yes. his parts, and what's awesome is you find a couple of optional parts. One includes a pacifist programming package. Oh my god. <laughs> he like if you install it in him, he'll start talking about. Uh, like cooking, cook, making desserts for everyone, and how 
what a terrible state the galaxy's in. Will anyone please think of the children? And if you uninstall it, he comes out of it with a wisdom bonus for appreciating alternate perspectives on life. Oh my. Again, HK47. Great character. Yeah. I really need to just finish this game. Uh, Let's see. Then, not too far into it, you'll get a cutscene where Vices is talking with her master and shows up on your ship next chance she gets. So you beat the crap out of her and she joins you. Yeah. And Vices comes as a ready-made Jedi, which is handy. And her personality coming from a world that was completely and utterly wiped out because some Jedi gathered on it and everything on the planet was destroyed in order to kill them is interesting. She was, she was a pretty interesting character. And then there's Disciple, who, if you're playing a female character, he shows up on the Jedi Enclave on Dantooine, and he more or less just joins you because, hey, you're a Jedi. He always liked that. And you find out you have some background, and he'll compliment you and think you're super awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you're male, then you get Handmaiden, and I did not get Handmaiden. So, Scott, talk about Handmaiden. Okay, so she's like a uh, she's a black sheep in a family of Achani warriors, and I don't know, she's pretty flat, but she teaches you kung fu. Isn't she also super easy to turn into a Jedi? Yeah, she's one that you can earn earn influence with fairly easily. Like it's just a few conversations while you're doing the kung fu stuff. And then let's see. Well, I went to Narshada next, and that means I got Myra eventually. And Myra is also pretty cool because she's a bounty hunter who was initially hired just to keep an eye on you and joins you more or less because in attempting to keep her bounty alive, uh, I can't even remember all of the intricate network of exchange operatives on Narshada, but in attempting to ensure that she got the bounty, she got thrown into jail on your behalf and then breaks out and, and kind of joins up with you by default. But she is pretty cool, and you can also turn her into a Jedi, and I eventually did. Or, if you're playing as a dark character, then you get Hanhar, the most bloodthirsty Wookiee I've ever seen. Who also can become a Jedi. He can? I didn't think he could. Yeah, you can. He's going to be the last Wookiee Jedi ever, or at least until George Lucas dies. (laughs) Yeah. And... Getting influence with him, I gather, is just as simple as putting him down all the time and making him fe- making it clear that you're the boss, not him. Yep. Let's see. Who is You've that got uh, Beodur, who was a technician in the Mandalorian War under your command. He built uh, the thing that ripped Malachor V apart. And he can also, also become a Jedi. Also a Jedi. <laughs> and isn't he of the same species as Darth Maul? Yeah. What is it? Different Iridonian? home planet, though. Well, 4,000 years earlier. Plenty of things can change. Let's see. And then there's Goto's robot, which... Well, Goto is an interesting character in and of himself, but... He He's a crime boss who ha- thinks you're the key to galactic stability, so he just sends a guy along to help a robot to help you out. Which looks remarkably like that interrogator droid Darth Vader used against Leia on the Death Star. Yeah, but that interrogator droid probably didn't have flamethrowers. Probably not. Everything's better with flamethrowers. <laughs> yeah, but 
uh, but the Sith Lords took out the droid support AI script, so you have to queue up your flamethrower manually rather than let that do it. Aww. Yeah, you have to select it individually each time, and that can get a little old. There are I other things you can load, oh. load into your droid's uh, optional slots, but flamethrowers are the best thing. <laughs> oh, forgot about Mandalore. He's pretty cool. Yep, Candorus is back, and now he's in charge of all the Mandalorians. And he gets cool armor for it. Which you can't remove, nor should you, because he's freaking Mandalore, man. He's the freaking Mandalore. I mean, you don't get to name yourself the appointed leader of the Mandalorians unless you're pretty good. Mm-hmm. I believe later he would be, like, because all the Mandalore, everyone who leads the Mandalorians is called the Mandalore. After they die, they get a nickname. So I think they called him. And Mandalore the Resurrector after his death. Ah, bugger. I'm that just reminds me of something Kreia says at the very end of the game when you're asking her to prophesize about all the people you were with and she talks about what the Mandalorians are going to be and she just says, they will die a death that will last millennia until all that remains is their code, their history, and in the end, the shell of their armor upon a shell of a man too easily slain by Jedi. I can't help but think somebody at Obsidian had just watched Attack of the Clones and writing that. Yep. Is that everyone? Um, I think so. It is a pretty good cast. Yeah. Like, it really show Like, this game really shows off uh, what the aftermath of all these galactic conflicts looks like. And just how, many, how it breaks everyone. And the influence system is a nice way of paying off the conversations by letting you turn them into Jedi. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you do that, you, your, the random loot system will probably hose you out of lightsabers. <laughs> it's true. And one of the load screens even informs you, the items you get are randomized. You won't get, you won't get the same thing the next time you play. That's I definitely recall one of the three playthroughs I managed was like, Nothing but short lightsabers. Ah. <laughs> Except the one you made yourself, right? Yep. Not even any so everyone is like dual wielding it. these tiny little things, and I'm like, mathematically, they're very similar, but they just look dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get any double-bladed lightsabers? Maybe one. Dang. Which means I had to sink a lot of feats into dual wielding for everyone. That is a shame. I did get a few, but I didn't turn any people into Jedi until late enough that it was getting hard to give them enough feats to make dual building worthwhile. Yeah. Well, it also makes ranged combat a bit more worthwhile for Jedi with the deflect anything with your bare hands feet tree. That was pretty handy, particularly early in the game when I didn't have any lightsabers. Yeah. It's also worth noting that they doubled the amount of feats for this game, both as both that you can pick and for characters. <laughs> and up the the level limit. I'm not sure what the upper level is now, but it's definitely not 20. Well, um, I don't think there's enough things you can do for XP to get you past like 25, but I think I heard they capped it at 30 anyhow. Actually, apparently there is a bug. When you go into the Sith Academy flashback on Korriban, if you want to do it, you can just kill endless giant lizard 
that will keep coming at this one corpse until you have decided that you are either incredibly bored or are strong enough. Yeah. And considering you're solo when you're in that flashback to the Academy, it's not the easiest choice, but you could do it. I didn't. No. All right, so plot? Well, I gave it the beginning. You want to you go with the rest? Okay, so uh, Darth Treya is sort of manip- manipulating you and her two former apprentices, Darth Sion and Darth Nihilus, into this massive, slightly overcomplicated plan to put your character in a position to recreate the events at the end of uh, the from the end of the Mandalorian Wars, so that she can kill the Force because she blames that for everything that's wrong in the galaxy. One might even call her solution extremist. Yeah. Of course, she won't reveal that until near the end, after you've tracked down all of the, all of the Jedi Council and either killed them or yeah. gotten them to meet on Dantooine, at which point they will try to restrict you from the Force again, and then she pops in and says, there's no way you can be allowed to do this. And whoops out some Force lightning that just drops three Jedi Masters instantly, which means... She pulled out strength from nowhere. Yeah. Especially with one hand. That's just awesome. Yeah, and this game kind of apes the formula of the first, where you have to find a uh, ex- a lost Jedi Master on four different planets, so you bounce from uh, Telos to... Uh, well, Telos a... doesn't have one. Well, um, T- Telos does. It's What's-her-face? She doesn't count among the four, though. It does have... She doesn't count. To... Let's see. You go to Dantooine, which is in ruins because Mar- Malak blew it apart during the war. Yeah. And you bounce to uh, Onderon and its jungle moon, Duxon, from the very old Tales of the Jedi comic. You go to Narshada, which is required to show up in one Star Wars video game at least every three years. Uh, Paragus, which is where you started off, and then you go to Korriban and Dantooine. Good old Korriban. No more live Sith on it. Actually, wait, there are live Sith. They're waiting to kill you under Darth Sion. But at first, you're just exploring the ghosts of the place. And after you've gotten all four of them and Darth Treya has revealed herself, well, then it's time to meet Darth Neolus, who is the guy in the cool-looking mask who graces the cover and really doesn't have all that much screen time, but people talk about it all the time. This, this guy feeds on the strength of beings to become even stronger in the Force, and he lays waste to entire planets, which begs the question of how he was able to stay undetected for so long. But when you infiltrate his ship, the Ravager, it's a little disappointing how easy he goes down for being such a cool-looking guy who is apparently the figurehead of the game. Still there, Scott? Yeah. Yeah. Any further comments there? Uh, on the plot, not in really to well, I will say that the opening is slow as heck. Well, you didn't like taking a good four hours to get out of Paragus? Oh god. And it's not like and it's not like Terrace where there's actual stuff to do and people to interact with. It is go solve problem X to proceed. Where X is fetch the device or fix the thing. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get to the blocked off level. You have to go to the computer to manually open it because somebody sealed off all automatic access. 
and that somebody happens to be HK50, a knockoff of HK47. And yeah, there are some other HK50s that you meet as the game goes on, and you beat the crap out of them because they want to take you down. Yeah. It, it's also worth noting that the side quests are a lot more involved and bounce around a lot and depend on characters you're with and things. Like, there's this whole... Like, every planet seems to have a handful of Mandalorian diaspora that you can just yell at to get into shape to join up with Candorous. Including one of them who doesn't feel like acknowledging this new Mandalore, so you beat the crap out of him, and wow, that was a weak Mandalorian. Yeah. And then the guys he was with just say, you know what? I really think you are the new Mandalore. Let's go to your planet and join your ranks. Because they're not stupid like their friend was. Like I just and I remember this game being a lot more combat heavy. I'm not sure if that's just the combat beats were closer together or if there really were just more dudes that needed killing between you and the next plot point. I didn't notice a great difference. Yeah, there's probably somewhat more combat, but not to the point where I thought, dang, I've been killing guys for three hours and I haven't had a break. Except at the end. Yeah. Uh, on Malachor 5, where you're solo, which is a disappointment already because your ship crashes. You're the only one who gets out. There's a brief bit with Mira or Hanhar if you've got him. And yeah, an like, even briefer bit with the, the remote droid that Daudur has. But otherwise, everybody is gone and you're walking over this admittedly cool looking but kind of boring after a while shattered planet surface and then you get into a Sith Academy and you kill, oh, I don't know, about 200 Sith before you face off with Darth Sion. Who you must kill at least twice. I think I had to kill him four times. I think if you're really good at persuasion uh, or have a really high stat in something that the uh, writers thought was relevant into convincing him to just give up already, (laughs) you can convince him to die sooner. Uh, This thing also... The dialogue in this also brings back uh, the follow-up style of, hey, you've got this ability, so we'll give you an extra dialogue option related to that. Which is neat. Yeah, let me think. I I gather that the goal is, since he's trained himself, since he's trained his body to come back from whatever possible abuse you can inflict upon it, you just have to make sure that his mind is no longer equal to the task. And then you fight Darth Treya, and... Well, no, there's, there's the fight with Nihilus. Yeah, that was before, though, when you, when you board the Ravager. Yeah. And you also have a mandatory party there. Mandalore and Vices are going to join you. Which is fine, because they can definitely hold their own weight. Yeah. But Nihilus was... Apparently he tries to devour you, and that wasn't such a good idea, and it weakens him enough that he's a pretty easy fight. Yeah. But it is a little disappointing because, honestly, the guy looks cool on the cover. You think you're going to get this badass, and he never says anything to you. He just speaks in this unintelligible language through the game. And then you fight him and beat him up and get out of there and blow up his ship. There you go. And you steal his mask. But I didn't see what he looked like underneath it. Yep. Only only Vices did, and she's blind, so I don't know why she even bothered looking. She can see. Through the Force. Also, if you switch. Also, if you switch to her and go to first-person mode, you see everything in blue go- in blue glowy mode. I should have done that. Oh, well. And then you beat up Darth Treya at the very end after you've beaten up Darth Sion. And if you don't have her tell you about what your 
party members are going to do in the future, then the ending is even briefer and more signifies being rushed than it would be otherwise. And yeah, once you kill her and have her tell you about the future, you get on the ship, you've speared off, and that's the end. You get. What's that? I think he said. Eh. I think he said more than that. <laughs> eh, is not really a conversation so much as. So yep, let's sound let's, effect. Can we talk about why this game was so rushed? Well, get it out before the Revenge of the Sith? That's my guess. No, uh, no. Um, it had the same mint time as the first Knights of the Old Republic, which I guess which I guess LucasArts thought was realistic before they realized they were dealing with Obsidian, which always overreaches. So they <laughs> ended up forcing it out for a Christmas release in North America, Ooh. which it didn't really... <sighs> and pretty much everyone on the team was like, no, dudes... Let us do this in the summer, and it'll be awesome. And they were like, no. <laughs> oh. oh, well. Yeah, speaking of the ending, Scott, I'm sure you noticed the many areas in that Sith Academy on Malachor Five that are on the map but don't actually exist. Yep. Well, th- this is the biggest crime that's missing from the ending, is that they cut an entire planet from the game where you would go to... Um, like Technics 3, where the HK-50s are being built, and Sabotage. Yeah, that, that plot element was completely dropped in the middle of the game. You never see any more HK-50s after the first couple planets. Yeah. Like, you, you keep running into HK-50s, and HK-47 is there where they're being built. Sabotage the fact, and at the end, uh, HK-47 would roll in with, like, a platoon of HK-51 that he... Get the feeling that's not really working. <laughs> All uh, right. Where did I cut out? Programmed. Okay, that HK47 programmed, and then you just kick the crap out of the Sith Academy with them. See, that would have been far superior because A, it lets HK-47 do something in the climax where he just vanishes, and B, it would have tied up that plot end. Yeah, that, not... that, that could have been cool. Wish I could see it. <laughs> it's far from the worst conclusion I've ever seen, but it is really disappointing. Yeah, like this is just another Obsidian took a bad deal, and... It just we suffer for it. Is is this their first bad deal? Uh, I'm looking like, through. I'm their, trying to remember if this came out before or after Neverwinter Nights two. This was before. Uh, okay. So was this their first game? Yeah, this is their first game as Obsidian. Okay. So it was pretty much cursed from the start. Pretty much. <laughs> oh boy. Poor Obsidian. Well, at least the upgrade system for your equipment was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah they, well, they brought a lot more depth to it than just, hey, here's some parts that will make yours better, your gun better. <laughs> I mean, you remember how freaking big your inventory got in the first one, right, Mike? Oh, that was just ridiculous. Double it. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? But, but here, and it'll just be upgrades for blasters. 
Uh, but here, at least, you can break those things down into components and whatnot and use them as upgrade parts or make your own new weapons. Yeah. If you've got the right stats. Also, upgrades had more than four colors of lightsaber crystal, which meant you could rock, like, white or orange. Silver. Yeah. Oh, man, orange. Could have uh, tropical-flavored lightsabers. <laughs> I always wanted citrus-flavored death <laughs> and the individual worlds you visit are pretty cool on on Onderon you have to choose whether you're going to support the good queen or the evil general trying to usurp on Dantooine you have to choose whether you're going to support the man, the mercenaries who are trying to take over or of course the pretty good woman who's trying to run things and is having a hard time yeah Narshada is a lot less cut and dried but you can do good things, which not only pisses off the exchange, which you're trying to get the attention of, but... Or you just screw a bunch of war refugees and feel like a dick. Yes, you do have that ability to, to just persuade their mayor to give up. Be slaves. And if you do, isn't well, that, that's pretty dark side. Well, yeah, isn't that the correct option, as we learned in selling the Wookiees into slavery? <laughs> it can be. Oh, Excellent. And what am I living on? Well, Korriban, there really isn't much of an option. because There isn't really much on Korriban. <laughs> no. You go through the vault. You can't go through the tombs anymore because they're caved in. And when you get into the old Sith Academy, all it holds is a bunch of Sith soldiers of Darth Sion who are busily trying to kill you. No real ch- choices there. This one does have a few FMV sequences that I didn't see any of in the first game. Yeah, no, they did most of their stuff in the first game in-engine. And the FMV stuff looks kind of grainy. Mm-hmm. Even the PC version? Yeah, it looks grainy. It's disappointing. Okay, so wrap this wrap this up and summarize this. I mean, we know that it's, a, it's not quite up to the standard that number one set, but is it worth spending one's time and money on. You want to go, Scott, or shall I? Well, I guess guess that's up to me. (laughs) For me, it certainly was. Yes, I... Okay, go, Scott. Okay. um, Like, it's definitely worth it, if only for the conversations you have with Kraya throughout the game, just because they're so different than what you'd expect from a master-apprentice relationship in Star Wars. And it shows there's more to the dark side than just dicks for dicks' sake. <laughs> yeah, you can pick up pretty early on that she is not much of a Jedi, but she doesn't fit any other Sith mold you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And the things she says at the very end, tying into where Darth Revan went after the first game and where you're about to go to go help Darth Revan, apparently LucasArts eventually, well... That could have been done very nicely in a third Knights of the Old Republic that never came to be. Yeah, at the end of the game, you fly off into the sequel hook, and then it's like, we're going to cancel this and make an MMO that has some of the ideas from it, but not all. (laughs) And we're going to take seven years to do it. And we're going to take the main character. I'm just kidding. All right. (laughs) All I've heard about about the Old Republic is what they've done to Revan and that and how it's a heinous crime. (laughs) Against all humanity. Yeah. Well, the exile was not well treated by later expanded universe material either. 
so yeah, go figure. That's what y'all get for picking the dark side. Get going. <laughs> they probably had little little, little program like polling to see how many people had uh, had Raven go in the dark side, and yeah, it just went downhill from there. So, alrighty. Well, you can probably grab let's see, Knights of the Old Republic, uh, two, the Sith Lords is. I don't even think that's on Steam though, right? Because I think that's a. Um. I don't think it is. It's, it's not on Steam. Yeah, and um, yeah, I've been kind of waiting for it to come on Steam because I like having all my my classic games discless nowadays. But uh, yeah, it just hasn't happened, and because of that, uh, this game costs significantly more than the, <laughs> the first one. It's going <laughs> for about uh, the Xbox version is going for about uh, thirty dollars used. And uh, let's see here. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I don't even know if I can find the PC version. Uh, yes, we can. We, it's going for about... Mm, you got some copies on there, actually, for 15 bucks in that area. Uh, I actually found my PC copy in a Target, so you might even be able to find it in random stores. Yeah, yeah. Or um, I'm selling my copy for $1,258. So feel free. You are. Yes. And and what takers have you gotten so far? Not yet, but I've only got one copy to sell. So when it goes, it's gone. You know, don't miss out on your opportunity to have a copy that I've actually touched. So it may be inappropriately. You never know. So. <laughs> Uh, have, have you signed it or just the? I MP- just I just touched it. That's all I did. Oh. And I put it inside my drive. Oh yeah. <laughs> Boom chicka bow wow. So uh, And which character on the cover were you thinking of as you stuck it in the drive? Uh there's that one alien race, the ladies have like three breasts. Yeah. Extra breast. Uh, <laughs> this is solely sidetracked. Alright. Uh we'll be right back after uh these messages for our Blast from the Recent Past segment. One moment. recent past section this is the part of the show we talk about games that came up or rpgs i should say that came out about two years ago or at least those that we remember we review we talk about them and tell you whether or not maybe uh maybe if you pass them at me you should go back and play them or buy them 
or maybe you might have been glad you passed some of these up uh, sometimes, some of the ones that we've discussed anyways. The first one up on our list this evening is 3D.GameHeroes, developed by Silicon Studios, published by our good friends at Atlas. This was released in North America on May 11, 2010. This is a single-player action-adventure RPG experience for your PlayStation 3, rated E10, because my nine-year-old nephew is not old enough to see pixels just explode when hit with the sword. <laughs> I, I, I just, yeah, E10 for pixel violence. I, I don't know. So, and distributed on one very beautiful, gorgeous Blu-ray disc. So there you go. So, 3D dot game heroes. The plot: save the princess. We're done. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there was something about saving a princess. Something about the king turning the world 3D or something. Yeah, there was some 3D something, something, something. Yeah. Not really important. Not really. No. No, really didn't care. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the. No, it's the gameplay that, that shines bright here. Um, so, 3D Dot Hero is a modern day re, re-realization or whatever of like the Zelda classic games. This, I'll, I'll, I mean, this game, this, if imitation is a form of flattery, this one is worshipping at the feet of, uh, of uh, uh, Zelda Link to the Past. I, it just, the whole way through, it just was reminding me of Zelda. Was it reminding you of Zelda Link to the Past? Uh, I'd say more of the, well, kind of a mishmash of the original Zelda and Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I think, I think one of the first early bosses you fight is basically just that dragon boss from the original Zelda. Oh, yeah, the dragon boss. <laughs> yeah. That was really cute. And you get the boomerang, like, right away. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and you, yeah. A lot of the weapons that you're used to, I get the can, you get the candles really early on, um, but a lot of those weapons that you're used to seeing, uh, that you've seen in, in those first few Zelda games, well, most Zelda games, but the first few especially, uh, definitely uh, pop back up here. Uh, I'm surprised that Nintendo doesn't sue them for <laughs> ripping off some <laughs> of these ideas because it's almost, it's it's just almost verbatim. Um, but uh, yeah, you'd ahead. be surprised because they. There's like a free version of the original Zelda with like a level editor and stuff right. out there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I don't think Nintendo has ever tried to shut down. So I don't know if they just, you know, there's a bunch of Mario games out there. So it it seems like they're a bit lenient with that. Um, maybe they just like people keeping the spirit of those old games alive because then, you know, maybe they'll buy some of their... You know things like New Super Mario Brothers and what I don't know, but yeah, they seem they they seem a, a bit lenient. Yeah, it's weird. I've seen Nintendo really clamp down on certain things, but you're right. The the Zelda, uh, there's a Zelda. I forget what it's called. I should look it up real fast. But there's like that Zelda remake that someone has yeah. put on the net with a level editor or something or other. Uh, remake internet. <laughs> I don't even know how to look <laughs> yeah. it up. But there, it and has a name for it and everything. And there's also that whole uh, that that game that's basically the original Super Mario Brothers, and you can use a bunch of characters, including including Link. Ah. And you know that's just that's sitting out there, and Nintendo doesn't seem to care about that. So um, I don't know. Maybe they just consider it free advertisement for their franchises. I don't know. Now the. Um... The uh, so as you kind of mentioned earlier, the king of the land made some sort of decree that 
basically uh, he turned all the 2D sprites to land in 3D sprites. Kind of felt like the 2D look was just outdated, and he wanted to make everything look modern. Well, all he did was make make all the pixels look like what are they called, voxels or something like that. Yeah, something like Voxels that. Voxels or whatever. Uh, so basically 3D little blocks. So everything looks like it's almost made out of Legos uh, for the most part. And it's it's very well done. It's very pretty because they still got plenty uh, – like the water shimmers real bright and, and the background looks uh, you know slightly fuzzified and aliased. Uh, you know, the, 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 the graphics still uh, – on one hand, they got that, that, that voxel – retro look but on the other hand they've got plenty of bloom and and other uh, 3d type of effects that you expect to see in any modern game that's made these days so the the look is is definitely very interesting um i i sort of like it but it sometimes i kind of wished <laughs> i was wishing as i i kind of wish that it was just uh, you know there were times where i just wished it was a really high res version of link to the past and not yeah. something made with a bunch of blocks so I I don't know maybe it's it was just... an it, it was an interesting look. I'm glad it's not something they've uh, redone a bunch of times or anything like that. But at least for one game, it was a neat little way to kind of give an homage to classic games. Mm-hmm. The one... and, and oh, go ahead. I think there are there are a bunch of, of references to you know not just like Zelda. But I think there's some Dragon Quest references and other things like that throughout the game. And the really cool, th- the one cool thing about the voxels is that when you kill an enemy, uh, he he blows up in a little little square, yes. little voxel. <laughs> so that is kind of cool when the screen, you know, you blow up three or four enemies at once in the screen, and all of a sudden you got tons of little cubes just falling down like rain because <laughs> you just blew, you know. So that that part is, is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, there there is some text in the game, uh, akin to about as much text as you might have. Not even as much text as you see in Link to the Past, um, and uh, and a lot of them are filled with uh, little jokes and references to those uh, bygone eras. Uh, and let us not forget that um, one of the cool things was at the beginning of the game, and I think even as you're playing through the game, as you reload a save game or something, you can you can make up your own uh, avatar out of these voxels or download ones that other people have made. So you don't necessarily have to look like the generic uh, guy with the sword. You, you... Yeah, uh, and you're right. You can change it as you load the game. So you don't necessarily have to say you don't want to – you found some new look online or something like that. You don't have to start a new game just to use the new – a new character, you can change it right in the middle of the game. So, uh, for the most part, as we said earlier, the gameplay feels a lot like uh, Zelda. Uh, you'll go and find dungeons. It's a little bit easier, I found, because they actually kind of point you in the right direction to where those dungeons are, unlike Zelda, where I was searching for years uh, <laughs> because I didn't have internet and I was too poor to afford Nintendo Power. Um, but, uh, you know, you get into the dungeons. Those dungeons are are tough. Um, and uh, just like you remember Zelda kind of being back in the days, uh, they, they will probably kick your butt the first couple of times if you're if you're sleeping at the wheel or you're not careful. The uh, But the, one of the cool things uh, is if you played Legend of Zelda, you remember that if you were full on health, 
you would you could shoot your sword and it would throw out an energy you know an energy sword <laughs> and and well in, in 3d dot game heroes uh, they know what men really want men don't want swords that shoot they want really big ass swords and the bigger the sword the more manly we feel when we're playing these games so in 3d dot game heroes when you're full on health you're you, instead of just shooting out a little sword that's maybe a character length or too long you got this sword that takes up half the screen and if that or is, the whole screen well yeah i was about to say and if if that's not good enough for you, don't worry because you can buy upgrades. And you can upgrade how big the sword is. You can upgrade whether or not it goes through solid objects and how it swings. And, and there's all kinds of ways to upgrade this sword so it's bigger and longer the way you like it. <laughs> the innuendos aren't going to stop on this show, as you guys can tell. Um, so it's, it is it is very funny in that respect. It's, it's better than what you said you were doing with the Sith Lords. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> Let me tell you some of the places I stuck that sword. No, um, so, oh, boy. <laughs> no. So, well, and the thing is, the thing is, you really want a big, long sword, a long-ass sword, because later dungeons are so hard that if your sword gets shrunk, you've lost. Yeah. Just like so. anyways, no. So you want to keep the sword long at all times. Keep your health bar full at all times, because uh, the game becomes much, much more difficult uh, on on the on the inter, uh, later dungeons. Anyways, it seems uh, when you don't have a, a big, huge sword that covers half the screen. And you think that that big, huge sword that covers half the screen would be like a instant win, but. Um, no. <laughs> no, it really isn't. It, it, I, I was still, even when I had full health, it was, it certainly helped a lot from, uh, but, but there was always be some trap where you walk into a room and just like the original Zelda, you walk into the room, the door slams behind you, the room is dark, there's two traps and five monsters, and you can swing that big sword blindly, you're going to get hit. So yeah, yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's still challenge there even, even when you're waltzing around with the big huge sword. Uh, so. Uh, let's see here. Is there anything else we're probably forgetting? I mean, like I said, not a really big deep story, nothing to write home, you know. <laughs> uh, but definitely the gameplay's there. What's that? Oh! Is it... I almost forgot. Okay. All right. I got a story. Okay, boys and girls. So when I when I was playing this game, uh, I knew we were going to talk about it uh, on, on Backtrack. So a while back I popped it in, and I'm not exactly the world's most patient player. So I pop it in, and that little screen comes up saying, there's a patch for this game on my PlayStation. I'm like, oh, screw the patch. I just want to play. So I got uh, I played it a few times, and uh, on the one time I played it, the uh, I was in these uh, I was like I don't know third dungeon or something like that and it was rather lengthy and I was tired but I wanted to get through the dungeon so I got up all the way to the final boss and he kicked my butt and I but I at least got to learn some of his pattern so I was I was sure that if I could just fight him again that I would win so you run all the way through the dungeon I've now been doing this for like two hours solid run back all the way through the dungeon at least the nice thing is in 3d dot game heroes when you die you pretty much just start at the beginning of the dungeon there's a teleporter there usually to get you right to the end boss uh, if you've already made it that far unfortunately I did not activate the teleporter so I had to run all the way back again Okay, so now I'm really tired and cranky. I just want to beat the boss and 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 move on and, and go to bed. Well, I got right to the uh, end boss again, and I walked into the room where the boss is at. And normally the screen kind of scrolls to the new room, and 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 it looked like it was loading, and it never stopped. 
Oh, and no. yeah, and I I waited for like ten minutes, and my jaw just hit the ground, and yeah, the thing had froze solid, and um, and 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 because you don't, I didn't think to save. Because, you know, in a game where you instantly resurrect, every time you die, you just sometimes get a little lazy and don't think to save. So when I reloaded my game, I was all, I was the, the, the painful part wasn't the fact that I was necessarily at the beginning of the dungeon and had to unlock all the doors again and, and get the weapons again or whatever. It was also the fact that I had lost all that money I had earned. And money <laughs> is kind of tied in this game because you want to upgrade your big-ass sword to a bigger-ass sword. And, uh, yeah, I was a little pissed at that. And I wrote a big old you could probably search our forums at RP Gamer because I wrote a pissy note about it on the forums. So that's my 3D Dot Game Hero story. And, and the lesson here, boys and girls, is patch up your bloody game when the PlayStation wants you to. Because I'm going to yes. take a shot in the dark and guess that wouldn't have happened had I patched up to version 1.01. <laughs> so, probably not. <laughs> probably not. But other than that, really super, super fun game. Uh, highly, highly recommended. And I'm gonna take check real fast. Wasn't it, was that one of the games that came out at the twenty dollar pass point? It's like a what did they uh, call it? It was forty. Yeah, I mean, originally it came out forty. I thought that maybe they did like a re-release, like a Ultimate Legend. What did they call those titles nowadays when they re-release them with the gold sticker or something? Anyway, uh, uh, you can you can buy it brand new these days for twenty. 20 bucks plus yeah. shipping on eBay anyways. Um, maybe even cheaper on Amazon. Uh, used games are going for like 10, 15 bucks. Every worth every worth every every penny. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you like Zelda, you like yeah. Any way, shape, or form you like Zelda, you need to get this. So, and if you don't like Zelda, then you're listening to the wrong show. Go away. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There's a few people out there don't like Zelda. <laughs> Alrighty. So yeah, our, our very own Miss Marcello doesn't like Zelda. Get out. Uh, what? Right, Scott? Get out. Scott, you can Sam, vouch for this, right? Sam does not like Zelda. I'm okay with Zelda, but then again, I make a point of only playing like one a decade. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Okay, so uh, our next game on our list is Alpha Protocol, the Espionage RPG. This was developed by Obsidian Entertainment, published by Sega. Uh, this, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, say it again. <laughs> Not <Sega>. them. <laughs> oh, boy, this was... A company with nothing but good things to talk about. Oh, absolutely. This was released on uh, PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, and Microsoft Windows in North America on June 1st, 2010. This is an action RPG with stealth elements, single player with third-person view, <gasps> and it's rated M for Mature. Or is it M for Missing when I'm aiming at his head? You decide. We'll get to that in just a teeny tiny second. So we have our resident alpha protocol expert. Is is who is that today? We I know we have one. Was it is it is yeah. it apps or is it Walkmanter? I'm not me. an expert, but I did enjoy the game. <laughs> it's apps. The one out of five people who enjoyed the game. No, awesome. no, RP Gamer is home to all the people who like, like the, the game. That's right, because uh, this is cause true. Glenn Wilson likes it, right? Uh, Glenn likes it. I think Mac liked it. Ah. Did Adrian like it or did he play it? I think Adrian played it, but may have not liked it as much as the rest of us. Hmm. Uh, and I have had a, I had a, a friend of mine played it, and he liked it um, except for the guns. So, but we'll talk about that in just a second. Let's talk about uh, the story and the plot first, which I understand is one of the stronger points. Who wants to discuss? All right, so you play Agent Michael Thornton, uh, who has just been recruited into Alpha Protocol, a 
super double mega black ops organization that uh, is in the service of the U.S. government, preventing all sorts of threats to its sovereign sovereignty. And you stumble across a plot by a um, a weapons manufacturer to engineer conflict all over the world, and um, so they can make money. So you travel around the world to Rome and Moscow and Taipei, foiling their plans, only to realize that they've manipulated you the entire time and your organization. So you have to beat up your former boss and um, and your sexy journalist lady, who is also an assassin secretly. Ooh. To defeat them, but the dialogue system is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. And and from what I uh, I mean, from what I've heard, and and I'm just uh, I'm about to this off of you guys. You know, you guys have played it. I have it. Um, but I do, like I said, I've been discussing it with a, with a friend of mine who who played it in a little bit of preparation for the show. Uh, it seems like this uh, this game uh, more than most uh, gives you some good consequences for your dialogue choices, right? Yeah, there's big. There's a big big, big consequences in how dialogues play out, and you feel them throughout the game. But what's really cool is rather than giving you sort of a standard moral moral choice model, you just have an attitude and an approach to a situation. And uh, they categorize, the best thing is the developers categorized it of the three JBs of espionage. So you can come up to any situation as Jason Bourne, James Bond, or Jack Bauer. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. And different characters react differently to those approaches. Okay, cool. So in conversation, like this, this game. I'm assuming kind of the females in, in particular react differently. Yeah. Well, no, even like contacts and uh, like th- this game invented the conversation boss fight. So you <laughs> the go into a conversation boss fight. <laughs> yeah. So you go into a conversation with someone you need info from, and depending on how you approach them, you might not get the info, and then you may have to fight some more dudes later. Hmm. Cool, cool. And um uh let's see here. So does it does it do a good job? I, I understand, you know, there's consequences to what you do. Does that weave into the main plot somehow, or is it one of those things where it just affects some of the subplots, but the main plot's gonna go in this one direction regardless of what you do? Well the big points of the main plot don't really change, but the smaller points within that will shift around and really it depends it'll also shift how easy or hard it is for you to progress because you might get help from some mercs you made friends with in Russia in the Taipei mission, or you might not have the maps you need of a base and you'll have to run around getting, bumping into all the guards. (laughs) Hmm. Okay, cool. Um, so story. So did you like the story? I liked it a great deal. Mm-hmm. I think I did the write up for the when it got runner up for best story in our game of the year of 2010. So definitely, uh, definitely was one of the uh, strong points that I, I not only heard from, of course, the RP Gamer reviews, but from my friend as well. Um, and I think that's I think uh, well I, I'll save that for more of the conclusion. What did you think about the uh, the graphics and the production value? Uh, the music was impressive, and I think the graphics were fine. Other than some glitching, like there's some texture pop-in problems. Some of the environments are a little bland, too. Yeah, like generic Middle East country looks like generic Middle East country as it appears in every game (laughs) ever. 
Mm. But good soundtrack. Good soundtrack. All right. And uh, okay, so let's uh, let's get on to the slightly more touchy subject of the uh, the gameplay. Explain to me um, out when when diplomacy fails and it's time to uh, uh, handle uh, encounters and dangerous situations. What are your choices in Alpha Protocol and how do they play out? Well, always take stealth because that's broken. Because after yep. a certain point, you know where all the guys are all the time. Wow. Cool. Yeah, really. Makes... It... And you compare that to, say, toughness, where it's like, your health bar, slightly larger. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, what's nice about the stealth is, yes, it's completely broken, but it's so fun to play like that. Oh, yeah. And you get, like, the inst- and a, you also get, like, the sneaky instant melee button. Yeah, I love that. What's the oh, sneaky? Right behind you, and crack. Ah, that's the <laughs> sneaky instant melee button. Yes. Hmm. Um. Okay. So, so, and I heard that the the, the melee is pretty solid. My my friends seem to enjoy uh, playing a melee character uh, when having to deal with uh, physical combat. Yeah, melee is definitely worth the investment, especially at higher levels when you just start punching everything. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, uh, you know, being that's kind of a futuristic uh, game, some of the uh, listeners might be leaning towards guns. Uh, All right. <laughs> so, well, uh, how's the gun play in Alpha Protocol? Well, it comes from the school of the original Deus Ex, where if you don't have skills in a gun, you should just not ever touch it ever because it won't work at all. <laughs> So the big criticism I read was something along the lines of, especially if you, like you said, if you don't have the necessary skill points and you're pointing a gun at somebody, even though they're pretty much right in front of you, you, you got a decent chance of actually, you'll shoot the bullet and it'll just miss. <laughs> just kind of like a bullet hitting Superman's, you know, big ass and it just bounces off in a totally different direction. Is, is that kind of what you guys experienced? Yeah. 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 But, um, you know, if you're used to playing a shooter and you're used to that kind of thing, it's pretty jarring. But if you're, you know, you play a lot of RPGs, you play something like the original Mass Effect, uh, you'll be a little more used to it. You know, yeah. just ex- expecting that, you know, if your skill isn't high enough, no matter how much you aim, there's still a good chance you might miss. And so, they do kind of, there's something of a workaround in that every gun skill has like a perk special ability you can trigger that lets you do something cool even if you don't have a lot of points in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, and I understand, uh, now, when when my, maybe maybe you guys had a different experience, but um, when my friend was fighting the, the final boss, now he went through the entire game mostly uh, focused on melee and I think the uh, uh, before mentioned uh, broken stealth there, <laughs> but uh, but when he got to the final boss, uh, something about a helicopter and having to fight at a distance. Did, did you is that like the same no matter what you do, or did you guys end yeah. up in a similar in predicament? You're, he he has a turret and he won't leave the turret and he just shoots you a lot. And so you really have to have some points and some ranged attack or you're kind of going to get creamed? I'd recommend a pistol just because trank rounds have a damage over time effect. There you go. <laughs> DOTs for the win. 
Shoot. Well, um, it, you know, the game uh, the game got pretty mediocre and and some poor reviews out there. Uh, and 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 when I read through them, it was mostly a lot of it was. Uh, of course, there's a you know a couple of points about the the production values not entirely being consistent but the main gripe had to do with that aiming uh, mechanism having those rp mechanics underneath of it uh so if you were even if you're aiming at somebody and they're right in front of you if your if your skills are low then the game calculates a miss and for a definitely first person shooter fans that's going to be uh, a disconnect for uh you know some of us rp uh, gamers out there that are used to clicking on stuff and seeing the word miss come up every other time <laughs> that that's not such a, a big deal but regardless of your viewpoint on that i mean and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong but from everything that i've heard and and read at rp gamer it really seems like you're really uh, missing the forest for the trees if you allow that that one element that can be taken negatively to keep you from from playing the this experience and in every other way is a, a very fun um, role-playing experience am i not right there yeah i'd say you're right uh yeah i was really shocked at how how much uh, you know the press bashed this game yeah um, it got it got so much so really that i didn't hard. even yeah, so much so that I almost missed this, but and you know I, it was recommended to me by you know people really into RPGs and specifically by people you know into Obsidian's writing and that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, I think people kind of, I mean I'm not gonna say the gameplay is perfect. It's not in any way, but I think people kind of missed the point a bit. Could it be that Sega didn't pay off the right people the way certain companies seem to when it comes to reviews? Well, it's called Sega kept demanding mid-development changes to make it more like Mass Effect. Oh. Uh, Such a wise decision. Uh, that's, that's funny, considering that Mass Effect 2 deviated so much from Mass Effect 1 that somebody would try and copy Mass Effect 1. Uh, oh, well. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, overall, if you're an, an RPG Gave fan... Us all the romance options throughout the game. What was that about romance options? Uh-oh. I think we lost them again. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that weather over the Central North American continent is really nasty. Uh, I'm telling you, it's, it's just out of control. I, I don't know. Uh, we haven't spotted any hurricanes over Ontario, have we? No, and it's you oh. know it's a beautiful, clear day here wow. in Salt Lake City. So <laughs> um, I don't know what to tell them, uh, but yeah, definitely you you want to go and you want to check this out. Um, you can get it on the on the cheap uh, for your PlayStation Three. It's going for about uh, ten or eleven dollars. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. And if you want, well, if you want to hear something really funny, because of the poor reviews and such, the uh, the value of the game plummeted like a rock. I got my yeah. Steam version for five bucks less than I swear it was less than six months or so after release. I mean that wow. they they did one of those super sales, and you know how on you know they'll they'll super sale a lot of poorly rated games. They'll really cut into them to move them. And, uh, yeah, Alpha Protocol, and because uh, Glenn and I were chatting in the channel, I just, you know, and he was telling me how much he liked it. I went ahead and Impulse purchased it, didn't have a chance to play it yet, but I wanted to go ahead and snap it up while it's 5 bucks. I'm glad I did. Right now it's running 20 
on Steam. So it's a, it's a probably a, a little overpriced for what you could get on the PlayStation 3 if you have that system. That's still a significant improvement over the 60 bucks it cost when new. Yeah, and you can you can you can you can just wait for the next Steam sale and it'll probably be one of those <laughs> that are at least down hey, to 10 I- bucks. I paid sixty bucks for it, and I didn't regret it. No, I mean it's a really good, yeah. It's it's one of those games that you, I mean, as long as you don't mind. Uh, I, I think it's one of those few games too. I would just say from everything I've heard, uh, focus more on the story. You know, I, I'm normally the kind of person that's up here banging my drums that it's, it's about the gameplay, but focus on the uh, you know play the game, but <laughs> do the broken stealth thing or something, and just you know, and, and, and enjoy the game for the dialogue options and how your choices actually impact the, uh, the, yeah. the world around you. Because it, yeah. it's, just, it's just not like the gameplay. And pistols and walk through combat. Yeah, it, it, I mean, even if you don't do that, it's not like the gameplay is absolutely atrocious. I mean, I've played much, much, much worse shooters before, so you know, it's really, it's really not, not that bad. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd like to see something like it that is not Deus Ex Three. <laughs> is that <laughs> like that? That's the great thing about Alpha Protocol is it seems like all the good ideas from it have been picked up by other games. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, let's see here. All right. Well, I think we've pretty much have covered uh, cover all the uh, covered all the bases on those. Uh, those were our two blasts in the recent past games. So. We're going to take a, a tiny little break, and we're going to wrap this show up with our final lap. questions and concerns uh we share uh, what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks do a little housekeeping and uh even uh play your pre-recorded uh pre-recorded comments and reviews at the end of the show so let's see last week we were talking about what were we talking about last week oh sakura sakura wars sakura wars, sakura wars. and uh we and had scott wasn't here to join us for that because he had to work bad scott I had to learn how to cook cheese for people. You know what, Scott? I fully expect you <laughs> to call our number and leave your thoughts and, and everything else on Sacred Wars because I know you got a lot to say. Well, he left a message saying that he approved our podcast that more games need hot ladies and giant robots. He might have already done it because I do have like a message or two to add to the end of the show. I know I've gotten a couple. No, no. I haven't called your voicemail yet. Bad you. 801-810-5597. Write it down. 
that bad. <laughs> you have to go back and listen to this podcast to figure out the phone number and play my real slowly. Yes, any one of you, including Scott, of course, uh, we uh, we love to hear your comments and, and your stories, uh, your experiences on the RPGs that we are discussing or we're going to discuss, or just some uh, old RPGs in general that you would like to share with the entire world. Because we know that your experiences in RPGs are much more exciting than silly real-life stories that we have to listen to every day on the news. So, give us a call at 801-810-5597 and tell us your story. Make it about two to five minutes. I think it will go up to five minutes. And I will add it to the end of the show and everyone can hear how much you loved Alpha Protocol. All right, so... So, with that being said, uh, with that little spiel out of the way, uh, we we also take your comments and thoughts at board.rpgamer.com, and we're going to read through some of those now for our last show. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so, the madness writes, "I guess I'll take a crack at the sketch challenge." Hmm. And the madness went did a better job than anyone else, although the only one who other who really tried was Silktail. So, if we need a winner, the madness gets it. Even, uh, <laughs> Mostly due to not many people trying. Well, he said, I gather the relevance on this one What with the singing and the allies and the fact that I gather. Uh, in Sakura Wars, the girls singing somehow empowers the big steam-powered robots. And the fact that I guess lyrically a lot of them are somewhat silly. That and the fact that it's a small world is a monotonous, annoying song that I don't think anyone likes. There also it's might have been some song. sort of movie reference, but maybe I'm imagining that. Uh, Mike, uh, Minky, since you said that's the closest one, just how close was that? Close enough, considering that only Silktail also tried, really. And, yeah, the, the point of the skit was that um, the ladies of Sakura Wars sing on stage and it enhances their spiritual powers so that they can go out and fight evil. And that's really a Japanese concept, if ever you've heard a Japanese concept. You don't generally hear about, oh, I don't know, the Powerpuff Girls singing on the New York stage before they go out and whoop... Uh, Bad Mr. Jojo or whatever their villain's name is. So there you go. Madness uh, to collect your prize of 20 uh, Amazon bucks. I need you to shoot me off an email, jcservant at rpgamer.com, and tell me what email address you want me to send that uh, gift certificate to. Now, Because I'm, I'm sorry, Silktail, but – Maycross was definitely not in my mind when I came up with that skit. <laughs> he says he has some nitpicks of my summary of the Borderlands solo player experience, but he's too tired to put that off for now. Nitpicks? What's their nitpick? You run, okay. uh, you run around for minutes at a time <laughs> through desert wasteland doing quests like World of Warcraft, except World of Warcraft people realized a long time ago that people didn't like running across big expanses of land going from one point to another. I'm sorry. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, I will, I will whoa, make one whoa, comment whoa. about Borderlands for you. As much as you think the self-shadedness is wasted when you have a bunch of brown wasteland, imagine brown wasteland without the cell-shading. I'm not no, – I don't think the cell-shading is bad or anything like that. It had not the, – the, the, the overall – I'm not saying it's so bland that it's like a – like – horrendous but it is bland and 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 the cell shading helps things pop out a little better but it doesn't res- it doesn't change the fact that the, a lot of lands don't really have a lot of contrast to them <laughs> and that they're using a hell of a lot of neutral colors which is which is natural for a desert and when you're running around after like the 20th hour or so 
my my I'm just like, oh boy, I, I'm almost ready to go back and play a game with brightly colored trees and purple uh, purple bunny rabbits, uh, you know. But that that was a minor nitpick compared to the fact that. I'm going through these quests and they're spread apart and many times I can't even take the bug I'm having to run on foot and I, I felt like I was playing an MMO but without the features and benefits of an MMO. And and granted I disagree. You know, well tell me and go ahead. I I played it for like thirty hours, man. <laughs> well, I didn't play it for quite that long, but the gameplay like the actual combat and oh. shooting whatnot is far more engaging than when you're there yeah when you're uh, when you're in the when you're and i've said that in the last podcast when you're when it's firing in all cylinders it's a compelling experience the problem is is i'll go and wipe out a bandit camp which takes all of five or ten minutes and then i have to spend uh you know five or ten minutes sometimes not all the time but sometimes i have to spend five or ten minutes running to the next quest or doing that turn in and going to the next one and i'm getting a lot of downtime for whatever reasons and sometimes it's because i'm just having to sell you know a crap load of stuff a la diablo except that the interface isn't isn't quite living up to the task of easily sorting through evaluating and selling crap quickly um so it's taking me more time in this game than it would in most where i'm trying to compare all the stats because that's the whole thing about a diablo type of game you're trying to compare and you've got eight different types of guns so you're trying yeah. to compare stats in eight different classes of 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 guns and it, it doesn't quite make that super easy um if the gun that you're trying to pick up happens to be one of the three or four you have equipped at the moment then you can you can kind of easily compare that but if it's against one of the guns in your inventory then you're looking at this long list of guns and you're doing a hunt and search it just takes longer than it should and then when i compare that to the traveling i have to do to get from point a to point b sometimes in the downtime i started putting on the television next to me when i'm in those bandit camps or i'm going after that boss the the movie has to stop because the action is is good but it was the times in between that was really if that's what made it feel like an MMO to me, it wasn't the fact that the 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 gameplay itself felt like an MMO. It was the it was all the other stuff outside of shooting people that made it feel like an MMO to me. I can see that point. I just I, I just don't still don't think it has quite that much downtime. But yeah. I suppose it depends on how much time you're spending going through the weapons and whatnot. Because for for when I was playing it, I generally did not spend a lot of time doing that. Just when you know. If I went to an area and got destroyed, that's when I'd, you know, look through my inventory and, you know, find a better weapon and whatnot. I was going through them a lot because I wanted to know whether – because selling weapons is the major form of getting cash in that game, in my opinion. I, yeah. I was finding cash on yeah, the ground. Yeah, but cash is meaningless. Uh, so. I was still – at least at 30 hours in, I was still – uh, buying upgrades uh, to my inventory and stuff like you can carry more bullets by spending sixteen thousand uh, dollars per pot per weapon category so there are there are money sinks in the game now i i don't know if that eventually runs out and then i'm sitting on eighty thousand dollars of cash occasionally yeah, they would that be happens i beat the game yeah occasionally there would be a good weapon or shield on sale or whatnot if i if i just want to dump a ton of cash at once i didn't like sitting on a ton of cash because if you die you lose you know, a percentage of your cash. So hoarding cash is rarely a great idea. Um, but uh, uh, I was spending that cash either on those upgrades or uh, or the occasional sell item that was like an upgraded shield or something. Though generally my drops were better than 
you know, the weapon drops you find along the way. As long as you're continuously comparing them and just selling the bottom feeders, I, I don't think there was too many uh, too many times where the items they were selling, even on the, the on-sale items, were better than what I had equipped. So I could see if, if those upgrades run out, I could see pop ending up with piles of cash and then at that point you know i'm gonna start i'm gonna start as a player once i realize there's nothing left for me to buy because the drops are better than what the store is selling then of course i'm gonna start ignoring the drops and picking them up because there's no point but at the time up to 30 hours in i was still buying upgrades so anyway i just as a single player experience i I think i couldn't i every time i go back to play it now it's just i want to beat the game so i can mark it off my backlog but i'm like uh it feels more like a chore i think part of it may just be i don't quite get the the fast system down either because there's a fast travel system right you can try you can teleport from cities that you've been before to cities you've been before right yeah so that kind of helps too if you kind of got those areas kind of memorized in your head but do, do they have like a world map was there a world map? Because I could see, I could press M for map and see the map of the area. But was there, like in World of Warcraft, I can zoom out and see the map of the whole world? Is is there is there such a thing? There's a map in the box. I bought okay. a Steam version. I don't have a box. Ah. They didn't mail me a map. How rude. Ah. <laughs> That's just terrible. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, it's probably a lot more fun when you're playing with other players, which is what I've been told. But I think also if you're playing in single player, it might be, uh, it might not be as good for like long, long play sessions. Because I found it was a lot more enjoyable, you know, doing a few quests and then coming back to it later, which is probably similar to what you'd be doing playing multiplayer. You know, maybe just playing it for a little while with some friends. You know. Yeah, and that's um. Uh, that's what I was kind of doing. I wasn't. I. I. I'm not the kind of player that I play in like ten hour spurts. I would do two hours here, three hours there, an hour there, go in, do a quest. But then when I logged in, I realized, oh wait, I got to turn that in. I think I need to f- figure out where the cities are at and try to do that fast travel <laughs> thing because I would look at the map and see, it, you know, the waypoint thingy would say, okay, you've completed quest, now go turn it in. I hit in for map and it's showing that I need to go all the way to the other side and go to this other land. And it may have been a land I've been at before. I'm not really sure. So I don't know if fast travel applies in a oh well, whatever. I'm a whiner. Um, <laughs> so uh, what else? What other comments? We get so digressed. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, uh, that was a big digression. Let's see. Legendary, well, Legendary Zoltan definitely fa- sounded enthused about the first Sakura Wars game that never came here because in 1996, the idea of fighting the real Satan after your team members were first killed and then revived by the Archangel Michael just wasn't going to happen. And and Zoltan, once you've rushed out and played it, because now you're hyped up, do it now while you're hyped, because otherwise you'll forget. And then do one of your really cool legendary Zoltan reviews, and we'll be happy to post it on a backtrack. Uh, six uh, Silktail says, I believe the Ghostbusters had a modified NES advanced joystick to control the Statue of Liberty, and she is made of metal. And does that mean she was a giant song-powered robot or just a ghost? Uh, I'm going to say neither. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to say it was a statue. Statues not commonly being made of metal. Yeah. (laughs) No, Statue of Liberty is made out of copper. Uh, Strawberry Egg says uh, Sakura Wars. It is, but it was also French and gifted to the United States in the 1880s. And that gets onto an entirely different thread than the game's ever intended to go, so I will willfully refuse to go there. 
Um, so Sakura Wars or Sakura Wars <laughs> Story Story Egg said that she got uh, got the game on day one, but it's been sitting on a shelf ever since. Bad strawberry eggs. Go back play it right now, and we want a strawberry eggs review on the next. Ocelot says that it's super super fun to watch somebody else play it, and she thinks that it's less fun to actually play it because she finds the battles interminable, which I do not. So your mileage definitely may vary. Yeah, I mean, you could, I could definitely see the battle system as being um, one of those love it or or hate it type of things. So, um, and that, and I think I mentioned that when when we were talking about when we were talking about on that podcast. But my wife would have me do the battles, but I would watch her play all the other parts. So it is it is a it is a fun game to watch somebody else play, uh, in my opinion. And then if it comes up to a battle system, let them do it, I guess. Or I, I mean, I liked it, but if you don't like it, let let them do it. And then tell them to call you back when it gets back to the story, because there's a lot of voice acting, and it's it's a it's 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 like watching an anime. It really is. Uh, Liptus, uh, Liptus says, I also played Sakura Wars when it was released, really liked it. Uh, as an anime fan, uh, found the lighthearted anime characters and situations charming and fun. Uh, so it was only one or two chapters, uh, battles per chapter. Uh, so even though they were slower place, he liked, he or she or it, liked the system. <laughs> um, I, I, we need to put like a little gender, little gender, uh, symbol on our Board, so I know. You sure um, you want that, Phil? I have a feeling a lot of people will lie. Put a question mark, yeah, lie, or put a question mark. <laughs> well, uh, I think we need the the standard ones, and then a question mark for, you know, those guys out there. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a few on our forum. <laughs> um, so uh, he, she, it is somewhat interested in the previous games uh, that Mike mentioned and knows that some of them were available for the PC and was wondering if Mr. Minky knew of an English patch so he, she, it could play it without the requisite fact. Do you know, Mike? Let me think. Well, the only one I remember directly being on PC is the fourth one, which is definitely not the one I would recommend you start with. Mm-hmm. Um, as for the others... I am not aware of any facts. Look, I played them five, six years ago. The situation may have changed since, but even if there are patches for the dialogue, I'm pretty sure that will not include the voiceovers. But then again, you don't want to hear anybody doing a free dub job on the songs, so that's a good thing. (laughs) Uh... And, yeah, I'll, I'll investigate, but it's... Definitely a more daunting patch job than most other franchises because it's so intrinsically Japanese. But I'll look around. It, the situation may have changed since I played most of these. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he... And Liptus also mentioned that he, she, it likes Final Fantasy VIII, and we should try not to give it such a hard time. And no, nope, was... never gonna happen. Uh, Sam's not here. I have little support. Scott, have you actually played it, or are you just going on hearsay? Um, Actually, yeah, about half of it. I actually like Final Fantasy VIII, and you should give it a hard time. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, how can we resist giving it a hard time? It's so easy. It is. Uh, and to be fair, Miss Mr. Liptus, I am mean to all of Nomura's games. Uh, yeah, if you really want us to not give us give it such a hard time, then go watch Spoonie's reviews of it, and you will know what a hard time really oh is. Oh gosh, yeah, <laughs> we're 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 like Barney the dinosaur compared to him. 
Uh, Zaku77 uh, says uh, he wants to kick in on my gripes with the 3DS when playing DS games on it from a, a couple of episodes ago. He didn't notice the texting issues like I did, but he, he she yet noticed that the colors were noticeably washed out in all the games. Uh, he said he fired up a few games on uh, on uh, on his uh, DS Lite and 3DS at the same time. The difference was very noticeable, especially on more colorful games such as Dragon Quest Nine. So I, I, we'd like to hear, you know, if you're uh, if you're one of those uh, people out there that are fortunate enough to have a, a 3DS and some uh, DS games, and you've noticed some uh, differences, or you just think it's all peachy keen, you know, feel free to sound off on that uh, by uh, posting on the boards at board.rpgamer.com. I mean, I know for myself, uh, as I I think I mentioned before, I went out and bought a new DS <laughs> to play. Uh, by DS games on my old DS uh, got stolen, but I had a 3DS, so I did think to myself for a minute, you know, I'll just play my my DS games on a 3DS. But no, I went ahead and plunked down. And I think it was like 99 bucks uh, for a brand new uh, red Nintendo DS, <laughs> just so I could play the DS games the way they were meant to look. So. Alrighty, well that's all of our comments. Again, that's board.rpgamer.com. Leave your comments, questions, and concerns. And we will read your comments on the next show, which is going to be backtrack numbers RPG backtrack number seventy-two. This is the climax. Uh, we will be talking about a number of, I guess, they're Sega RPGs. Landstalker. So most of them are Sega, but not all. Ah. It's it's about the developer climax, which oh. I know Mr. Apps is familiar with. Oh yeah. So we're talking about Landstalker, Dark Savior, Time Stalkers. Kingdom of Paradise and Steel Princess, and even though I haven't played any, and I'll talk of... about Lady Stalker because it... oh, and Lady, yeah, I... that is not a Sega RPG though. That was on Super Famicom. Why do I get the feeling that even though I haven't played any of these games, the average score is probably like two point five? What? I'm I'm just looking at all well, three for these. I don't know. What? I don't know. They might be Mr. bad games here. Yes. Have you played Time Stalkers? Thankfully, no. Steel Princess. No. Uh, Kingdom of Paradise? It, no, but I've heard that one's pretty good. No, not really. No? No. no. <laughs> well, no? Uh, try it in the next two weeks. See what you think. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. We need more views on that game. I have to include it because it's a climax game. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I played... Uh, yeah, I played Kingdom of Paradise for about two hours on the PSP. So um, let's... We'll, we'll, we'll save it for that show. Please do. I'm curious if other people have played it though, because it is only two hours, and maybe it gets really great after you know, hour two. Well, at, at least two of those games are worth talking about. All right, cool. Well, two for five is yeah, Dark, bad. Yeah, Dark Savior. It, well, it's a Saturn exclusive, so of course not many people have played it, but yeah. it is interesting. And um, interesting is uh, certainly a word to describe Dark Savior. Again, I think we should save that. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it's time for, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> I have drawn a total blank here. Uh, well, it's time for that roundtable. Yeah, but we had we had a word for gush. It's time for gushing. There you go. Or you get to gush about whatever you're doing, or you can pimp a pimpage time. Yeah, we come up with an official name for it one day. So, Mr. Uh, Apps, are you? Is there anything you would like to pimp? Maybe something you're doing on the site. Maybe some games you're playing. Maybe a project you're working on. What? Go for it. Well, well, I recently did the review for Disgaea Three on the Vita, and mm. which was, which was a decent port. 
And, you know, I thought that'd be the end of me playing that for a while. But no, I got sucked into the post-game, and I've been, it's been consuming a lot of my time. Mm. And really, it's the first time I've really dug into a lot of uh, post-game in one of these games. So do you, do you feel it's, be- it's been that's, interesting. Do you feel that's because it's on uh, the portable format? Absolutely. Uh, well, that and it's, you know... I like this this one a lot more than the the first two the first two games in the series, which were obviously the only ones available portable on portables previously. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think having a having it portable definitely helps. Hmm. And you know, of the of the three in the series now available on the go, this is definitely the best one. Yeah, well, that must be pretty good. I I, I reviewed number two, and I I don't remember off the top of my head but i want to say i gave it a 3.5 or a 4 and i think that um comparing it to the you know comparing two with uh with my disc experiences on the playstation 2 that uh having that portable is is a huge asset yeah absolutely i mean you can just yeah there's obviously there's going to be dozens and not dozens hundreds of battles you're going to do but you know you can just play a few on the go and it pretty good you know uh, i i found when i'm doing the item world i can go through like 10 levels you know in a sitting and you know that's pretty fun so and that's i think that's a huge advantage over the the playstation version the the playstation versions uh the, the fact that you can just suspend at any time <laughs> you can just you know hit the suspend button on the on the psp versions anyways i'm sure it works the same on the vita and uh so you could play just five levels and if you're not at you know you, you could just suspend it and then come back to the rest later because i think when you're in item world you can only exit every 10 levels unless you got a special item and even then you're basically i think you, when you enter back in don't you have to start back at the beginning or something or do you uh, set if you exit and you go back into item world you you start back wherever you stopped, at least in the third one. Yeah, I, I, huh. I didn't really do much of the item world for the first two. Yeah, yeah, true, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, in this one you can just kind of stop, and I mean you can just spend in those portable ones, so that's kind of huge. Yeah, and you know what's also nice about this one is I, it's my own personal opinion, but I think it has the best story in the series. It does have a really cute story. I've played through yeah. three on the um, on the PlayStation Three, and I really I really enjoyed it. I mean, they just I, they really have done a good job of of the humor and the characters, and and I just kind of want to see what's going to happen next because the 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 plot in the story is just all it's it's corny, but it's strange and twisted at the same time. It's yeah, just fun it, as heck. It's it's just fun. That's the thing, you know. It's corny. It's a little over the top, but you know, so what? You know, it it, it was just. I mean, this was the first one. The first uh, game in the series that I ever really played through, uh, so it was just refreshing when I when I first played through this one, and you know, going through again, it was just as entertaining. So, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly not a perfect game. Uh, I gave it a three point five, uh, and I wish, really, really wish they'd given it a graphical overhaul. But you know. Uh, Certainly the best RPG on the Vita currently. <laughs> I, uh, and I'm talking about Vita exclusives. I'm not taking any PSP games into account there. There you go. So uh, anything else? Uh, you know, Q&A as usual. You know, feel free to send send some letters in, All questions right. All right. about I'm gonna give you some, that. I'm or... going to give you some Q&A love. You ready? Oh, 
Yes. Is our audience ready? I can hear them, but I'm assuming so. All right. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Are you on the next show? You coming on the next show? Yes. Okay. Check it out. Check it out. So whoever sends you the most mind-blowing cue for you to A will get a $20 gift certificate. How awesome, awesome. is that for a contest? That's- that's pretty awesome. That is awesome. It's synergizing. I enjoy this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, they'll only know about it if they're listening to this show. That's true. There you go. Should have been listening to Backtrack. Should have been, should have been listening to Nice of the Old Republic. You probably well, could. Which means that I'm out, so I won't bother sending it anything else. Mostly wait, because. Wait, what? Wait, wait, what? For next <laughs> week or so. <laughs> hey, I sent you in all those gigantic entries for several weeks. Wasn't that enough yes, for a little true. while? Gigantic enough that I could break them into two weeks. Well, that, that's what Mr. Minky does. So, <laughs> oh, oh, and one more thing. I, I've also been playing The Witcher Two, and um, yeah, it's as good as all the people with really good PCs says it said it was. <laughs> all the people with really so good PCs. <laughs> and if you don't have uh, a really good PC, I hear that the uh, the Xbox uh, version isn't a bad board at all. No, it's it's well, not that I've played the. PC version to really compare, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. Mm. Um, yeah, I do need to get around on playing that. I know the first one was uh, I reviewed it. it was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, so yeah, cool. All right, uh, let's see. We've done an apps, and uh, we have somebody else here. What's his name? Uh, Wakamater. Yes. How about you? Is there anything you want to pimp? Uh, well, I've also been Witchering. Witcher. So uh, that yeah, it's still it's fun. Like there are some hangups and hiccups with the graphics, but otherwise it plays just fine on the console. And I've also been going through the Yakuza series because you get to beat dudes in the face with a bicycle. Cool. Because we talked about Shenmue a couple months ago, and you wanted to go play something in the same line but done better, right? Pretty much. Well, I'd already started playing two around the time. Um, we recorded that, and now I'm on three. And it's just like, this is better than Shenmue. Funny how a game that had a bunch of good ideas poorly executed could get picked up by other people and then go much farther. <laughs> oh, Sega. 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 Cool. Come on, Scott, you're supposed to join in. Yeah, come on, everyone's But you did the all Sega. the different ways they say it on the commercials. No, you can Sega. do Sega. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Oops, we did that too. <laughs> See, you did them all. Have they done any new version of that recently? I Not really did. Sega's marketing just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> Sega, ha- Sega has marketing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, see, well, we're, we're, point, we're remembering... Like, attaching their name to their own products. <laughs> See, we're remembering Sega ads from the 90s. That's how far we have to go back. Mr. Minky. Well, most of what I've been playing lately would be the two games that we just spent quite a bit of time talking about. But I did try a little of Soma Bringer. I'll go back to it eventually. It seems to be a solid, serviceable action RPG. I really can't tell too much because something possessed me. It had been too long since I played a Super Robot Tyson game, and I stuck Super Robot Tyson Endless Frontier Exceed into my 3DS, and I've been playing that. And what do you know? I like it. You never would have called that, would you? <laughs> never. 
chaining combos and boobs? How could anyone like this game? It's true. The idea is completely antithetical to the notion of my likes in the world. And other than that, let's see here. Rift Tracks recently released something called Curse of Bigfoot, in which oh. you get to see you get to see a wonderful film from 1958 called Teenagers versus the Thing, supplemented with half an hour of footage recorded 20 years later, in which first you see all right, here's a guy who looks more like Tyler Maine playing Michael Myers in Rob Zombie's Halloween movie than he does Bigfoot, but whatever. And he's in the he's in the forest, and the camera cuts. It's a house, and it cuts to a dog that's barking with his tongue lolling out, so it's clearly a happy dog. And you get to watch this process play out for, oh, I don't know, seven, eight minutes before somebody comes out wearing a moo-moo and gives the dog milk. And you get to watch it play out for some more time before finally... Bigfoot, I guess, kills the guy. And oops, that was a freak accident because this was just padding. This was being played by a high school teacher to his class on a projector screen. And then he tells another story to pad the screen time, which is a bunch of logging footage involving a couple of guys who get out of their car and a bit. And after wandering through the forest for about 10 minutes, eventually find Bigfoot and uh, one of them dies, I think. It's really hard to tell. And then the real footage starts, that teenagers versus the thing bit where a bunch of people go on an archaeology expedition and after padding as much as possible, they find an ancient Indian mummy and it eventually kills someone. I don't really know. All of the action is seriously in the last 15 seconds of this movie. And if you want, if you want a good riff track, it's here. But, jeez, it's so ponderous and slow-moving and... Wait. As an actual good movie, though, I would recommend Red Rock West, which I had never seen and is a neo-noir where Nicolas Cage underplays and eventually gets into big trouble with J.T. Walsh and Dennis Hopper, and it's quite fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I... Oh, one more, one other good movie that I had never seen before is No Name on the Bullet, where Audie Murphy is a man who has a serious reputation as a guy who provokes people into shooting at him, and he gets the drop on them and has killed about 25 guys or so. As your Westerns go, I enjoyed it. It makes a point of, of showing that the town he enters has people who, the mere presence of this guy who will come at, who will presumably come after them for whatever misdeeds they've done prompts them to go after each other instead of him doing anything. And look, there are a lot of good Westerns. This is another one of them. It's not the best, but it's definitely worth seeing. And that's probably enough, unless you need me to recommend the Raid Redemption for just people beating the crap out of each other for 100 minutes. And really, there aren't enough movies like that nowadays where people beat the crap out of each other without technical gimmickry. So I'd recommend it on that basis. First Indonesian movie I've ever seen. I enjoyed it. Oh, uh, the the fun thing about the raid is uh, the company that dis- like, that bought the rights to distribute it in North America also bought the remake rights. So look forward to uh, Jason Statham doing the exact same thing in about two years. Huh. I'm I'm not sure whether I should anticipate that or not. It's gonna oh, happen. And, and, oh, and uh, when I saw it in the theater, there were a couple of people before me in the rows who. Apparently, they did not know what they were in for, and they walked out after about 20 minutes. I just don't see that very often, so it was noteworthy. 
because it is violent. The bad guy, when he blows people away by bulleting them in the back of the head, it's nasty. It's visceral. But if you know what you're in for, you should have a good time. Okay. Oh, let's see here. Um, I have been. Um, I haven't really done a whole lot since my 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 Borderlands excursion. <laughs> um, I I put some more time into into World of Warcraft, and uh, I, I don't know if I mentioned before, but I finally got a character at eighty five. That's like the first time after playing the game on and off for eight years that I actually hit max level, and um, found out really fast why heroics are called heroics because everybody makes fun of you about your gear score and kicks you out. Um, so, not quite sure why why Blizzard, they have like a random, or a minimum uh, gear score you can be to enter the dungeon, and uh, and I meet that score, and then people still pick on me and kick me out. So, yeah. Maybe they need to up those minimums or something. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, Mm, aside from that, I'm still. I guess I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to play next. Portable wise, I've still been playing Strange Journey. It's just such a huge game. I'll probably be talking about it in December <laughs> when I finally get to the uh, get to the end. So, um, still working. Are work- you in the massive, massive dungeon that Glenn said awaits you in the second half? Not. No, I don't think I am. Um, uh, without going into an FAQ, if I had to guess, by the way, the map, the over land map looks like it looks like there's going to be a total of six or eight dungeons and i'm on the third one and the third one has been pretty beefy and i finally had to break down and read my my first trip to the faq uh because um this one demon wanted would uh angel i should say uh would only help me if i brought him two demons and the demons that he wanted uh usually you can just go and fight demons and recruit them by offering them bribes but the the demon, one of the demons, were dog, were these dog-like creatures that all they would do is just growl at me, and they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't converse with me. <laughs> so how rude! I can't get them to come over to my side when they when they just make animal noises. So uh, I had to go to FAQ to figure out that uh, that I should have done what the guy at the front of the world told me, or the front of the dungeon told me, which was to create. You can actually create uh, demons with passcodes, and he actually gives you. Uh, the passcode in his conversation, so I'm a, I'm a little on the dense side, it would seem. Uh, not quite a, not quite the level of secrets though that we saw in Dark Spire, Mister Minky. Uh, there is a dark room <laughs> that you have to get through. That reminded me very quickly of of my some of my rough times in Dark Spire, but uh, in those dark rooms uh, where everything's just real dark and you're just kind of feeling your way around, uh, I don't believe so far I've not been able to 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 determine that I need to find a secret door in the dark area in order to, to to find a secret item so that I can proceed through the rest of the dungeon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. One day you and I are just going to have to do a, a dark spire-thon and, and just complain about the entire time like the angry video game nerd. That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm... I don't know if I can summon that level of rage. Especially <laughs> since it would definitely violate the informal swear filter that I've tried to institute here you know to keep us from being consistently r-rated played some more legend of grimrock which we talked about uh, i talked about a show or two ago that's the that's the dungeon crawler that's uh, that they just came out with on gog it's like 12 or 15 bucks very retro uh in its execution it looks 
the graphics are, are nice enough to pass for a a modern game that's come out in the last five or so years but the but the gameplay feels like it's more like 17 years old uh with that whole uh, eye of the beholder feel uh and everything being stuck on a grid and the and the, the difficulty uh, in some areas being quite high but really the the payoff has been figuring out the puzzles uh i highly recommend that if you're going to play that game that you put off reading FAQs and watching videos and stuff because you might be robbing yourself of some of the pleasure of actually figuring out some of those uh, puzzles for yourself when you actually play the game because it does uh, it does give you a sense of satisfaction, though uh, occasionally some of them will probably drive you to read an FAQ anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely you feel like you're in a mega dungeon and with a bunch of puzzles and traps waiting to kill you. Ooh, uh, other than that, yeah. Diner dash on the gamepad. All right, so on the <laughs> iPad. Yeah. No, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, all righty. So, time for the official disclaimers. RPG Backtrack is a production of RPG Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our board or email jcserventrpgamer.com. It helps shape our future shows, and you might win our next contest if you were listening earlier. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, all at rpgamer.com. On behalf of Mike and myself, I want to thank Mr. Apps and Mr. That Other Guy for being on the show. <laughs> what was that, Scott? You know what? I'm glad I'm not back on this show till October now. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that guy that well you done, just heard. Phil. Yeah, I try. Uh, <laughs> thank you both and uh, thank you our audience for listening as always you're the reason we do this do us a favor rate us on iTunes and all that other jazz Mr. Mike Minky please put us to sleep many games and much wisdom have you heard good games we described wise you would be to experience them problems you may have with the second but not enough to make your journey worthless powerful the Sith are be wary of their temptations. Now will I rest forever sleep. Uh, this is for RPG Backtrack. The skit you were trying for sounded like it was Sakura Tyson meeting Mac, the original Macross using Weird Al Yankovic songs and the most annoying song possible, It's Small World, The Torture everybody, including anyone listening to you guys try and sing it. Have a good show, and for the next show, uh, try and do a joke with Darth Vader if Sam Marshall was on it going, fluff the marshmallows, Sam. Later. <laughs>